0: hey
1: too We tried we this already, already. Messed it up. Oh, we, yes, we
0: tried this, and uh, thank God we record difficulty now. <laughs> but uh, no worries. We should be good. Um, we're going to be talking about the natural history, uh, the story of the rough scale python, the characteristics, I keeping, breeding. I may have
1: the show the first time around just so we could do this again. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I think yeah. that's no, the most. must going have happened. Here. Here. It makes a lot of sense.
0: What do I think about rough scale pythons? So rough scale pythons for me have been one of those species that I've kind of—I don't know—I've—I've—I remember seeing my very first one mm. in Carpet Fest at the Northeast Carpet Fest. I believe it was the second one, mm-hmm. and um, I remember that we were we were hanging out or whatever, and we got pulled into Howard's room, and Julie had a pair. Uh, That came from Terry or Cameron?
1: They came from Cameron because it was back in that moment where Cam was one of the only people that actually had them that was producing them in the U.S. Right. And then uh, Terry had the the ones that he always had at the reptile garden. But after that, everything was very scarce. So they were still a rare python. So that was the first one that we saw, but we both saw in the flesh.
0: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And um something oh man I mean we just kind of dreamed about that kind of species and kind of thought like you know it was a dream to maybe even one day be able to work with them let alone even just see them at a zoo or wherever yeah it, it, it,
1: it was one of those things where there was a the the, the section on MP on yes. python's on the forum that you know it's late at night in college and I'm popping around on MP checking stuff out. And you go into those little fringe things, which you barely ever go over there. Like, why would you? I don't own those things. So, and you kind of look at this thing and I'm like, oh, it's cool. It's like a weird kind of carbon python. And that's really where I left it until you started getting further and further along and in, need your reptile knowledge and basis of things like that. So when they started becoming a little bit more popular or rumored, that they were here, that they were breeding, that babies were becoming available. I definitely started looking at them more and more and more, and definitely loved the idea of the scalation, the head, the eyes, everything. So it kind of just pulled you in as something, as being something completely different than a carpet python and a chondro, because there's really nothing like a rough scale python. It is completely all on its own.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, when we were recording this the other day, we. Mm. <clears throat> there's a there's a lot of um uh, comparisons that can be made between uh them and Owen Pelly Pythons. They're sort of in yeah. the same environment um you know mm-hmm. obviously one's you know the Owen Pelly's way bigger, but like as we were going through and talking about some of the natural history, we realized that uh you know that there's a lot of similarities between them. And Owen Pelly's not saying that they're related or anything like that. I'm just saying like we're going to toss
1: this right now. Owen Pelly's and rough scales need to be off in their own little section all by themselves. <laughs>
0: according there, yeah. So like the Owen Pelly is sort of like today's rough scale. So yes. like for me yes. and yes. Owen back yes. in the day, roughies were this dream snake that you would never think about owning. Mm-hmm. Um, although there were some people trying to work with them, and we'll get into that way back in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um But uh. You know, Owen Pellys are sort of that same thing now, and John Weigel is sort of the Gavin Bedford.
1: <laughs> well, and that's the thing where it's like everything that we talk about with Owen Pelly pythons happened, um, you know, with uh, everything that's happening right now with Owen Pelly pythons happened with rough scales, yeah, and probably happened with countless other species, but it's just this is our little generation's rough scale python is the Owen Pelly python because. It was, you know, very some small species. Some small specimens were gathered uh, or in a small amount. You heard about the people in Australia working with them. You heard about them having success. You heard about them coming into zoos and then potentially coming to United States zoos with the reptile gardens. And then slowly but surely you hear about them making their way into private hands and then becoming available. So O and Pelly pythons are on that same kind of trajectory, which is why it's always really cool because we've talked about this numerous times on the show of what is the hunt. Like, you know, you, you hunt yeah. for this species, you get the species, you're like, yes. And then you're, you're, you're fine and you're satiated and then like a heroin addict, like you know, <laughs> need another a fix. month later you're like, I need something else to chase. And it's just, it's one of those things where, um, you know, Owen Pelly Python is, is, is up on that pedestal and it'll be something that I will chase because I want it. But, um, yeah, for the longest time rough scales were up there for me, just right up in there. And uh I was lucky enough for them to be made available to me uh fairly early on in my breeding career. And yeah. I
0: jumped, yeah, you jumped at on it. them quick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you didn't I, waste no time. And they're like,
1: it's two percent. I'm like, I don't care.
0: <laughs> like, so let me ask this question. Were you into them because uh, like what? What? What drove you to to take that plunge? Because they were they were they were pretty price. You know, I mean, they're not. I, I they traded, were pretty pricey back then. You know, I
1: traded two possible super caramels and a bunch and about two tigers for the two boys that I got. Oh, okay, yeah, right. and that was um, 2011, 2012. So yeah. Yeah. they were it was, not. It
0: was right at the
1: right at the right in there when super caramels were still kind of coming. Super caramel jags had just started. To be being yeah. made and um nothing was really refined um i could say right now that the super caramels i made back then are nothing you know like <laughs> compared to the shit that's here now like it's yeah. like looking at uh paul's super caramel super hypo ty- <laughs> i'm sorry Nice. yeah anyway um back on track uh, it, it was something I just dove on because I, I wanted something different. I wanted something unique and, and cool. And I, I, you know, you, you deal with certain species of snakes and I think we've fallen into that where, or at least I have, where I don't want every bin to be, and this is a carpet python that's this color. Right. And this is a carpet python that's this color. I want different right. shit. Right. You know, I don't want to be that bull python or boa breeder where it's like, Oh, another boa. Like, in, no. So, and they were the different thing, and they were we broke you. We did. I'm so broken. <laughs> I was such a happy. You were man so like I'm 11, so happy. 11 with eleven coastals, that's all I had was eleven coastals, and I think yeah. a pair of Kelly king snakes, and then along comes this horrible <laughs> little hobbit with his ideas of other species are cool, and then I'm awesome. yeah. Anyway, um, and they were just that different. They were so different, and so unique and far out there it wasn't like oh i have a pretty colored chondro you mine has armor (laughs) like it is
0: (laughs) that's another species that there's kind of similar to Uh, they are they're they're they're
1: they're um, an armor plated chondro you know and they they're the bridge in my opinion they are the bridge between chondros and other morelia species
0: i kind of look i was thinking about this and i was like okay so Rough scales and green trees are sister species. So I Mm. sort of look at them the same way I look at Bredily and (laughs) and carpets. You know, it's sort of like they're sister species and they're so close and they kind of look the same, but they're sort of
1: not. Well, think about it this way. I mean, you know, where they are um in the Kimberley is I mean, you're you're closest to getting up towards the Indonesian areas and stuff like that, and um I mean, it it makes sense that potentially at one point chondros and rough scales had a common ancestor and at one point one of them just ended up living in this gorge because the world around it started becoming fucking terrible. So, so, and it it just became a animal suited to survive in this one little oasis in this very harsh landscape. So, you know, it. It took all the fragile, stupid things out of a chondro and made it into an awesome animal. So yeah. that was just for other buddy. That comment right there. That was just <laughs> <for
0: him. laughs> um, yeah, I I was uh, late in the game with the rough scales. Uh, I just I don't know why. I
1: I don't know why. Since I've been preaching since forever, and you were just <laughs> like, maybe.
0: I'll you know what it is. There. It's you know we've said this multiple times. Yeah, it's why like do I when, need it?
1: If he's got it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's
0: sort of like one of those things. It's like okay, well, maybe I should position myself to have something different, right? So that you know,
1: well, and I also if I love need it, it because, I go to
0: Owen if I if he needs us, he'll come. Well, to I also me. love it because
1: every once in a while we switch, and it's like like when you did White Lips, you're like I hate these things. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like White. You were like get these take these things out yeah. of my house. You're like oh uh, yeah, I don't know why you had them. Or, like, you know... Beautiful snakes. Oh, my God.
0: When they brought it out brought them for Carpet Fest, and I I did a trade or whatever. Yeah, uh, I love them. And, uh, yeah, the iridescence in the sun was just a beautiful, beautiful... It's mesmerizing. But, but again, it's,
1: you know, you did that for, like, a hot minute, and you were like, no. (laughs) Like, and I've done multiple species that I know um, that that, that you've done. um, So...
0: Well, I remember coming over to your place like one of the first times, and you had the granite spotted python, and I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, I, like I, yeah, wow. but mine were huge. I am like, wow, that's like a little tiny python. <laughs> that's so cool. Like, I hate these. and I am and
1: I am like, I hate these things. They eat everything, yeah. and apparently, I've killed them because they're huge now. They yeah. were like the size yeah, of I ball pythons. <laughs> <And> yeah, I, <laughs> I was like, whoa, I don't know I, again. I know my niche, 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 niche. niche. Eesh. that was for nipper um so i know where i'm supposed to be and it's not with dwarf species Normal because <laughs> either i overfeed it or i pet it too hard and it breaks so yes. it's like that's why i can't have geckos i don't want an animal that's designed to fall apart so
0: <laughs> fair enough yeah yeah so i mean with roughies um I've seen him. I've seen him uh, in person. And then we talked about the other day about the second. Was it the no? The first carpet fest at your place. Yes,
1: I brought. Um, uh, um, I handed Romulus yes. to my friend Anna, and then I didn't see him again <laughs> <laughs> until yes. the until things were winding down at two a.m. Somebody yeah. brought him back to me, and I'm like, "Will you please put him away?" Yes. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: made his he made his ways around the. Uh, is is uh an adult, adult rough scale
1: python is really something very Impressive. Cool. the yeah. eyes,
0: the, the, the scalation, the, the head shield, you
1: know, the, the... Yeah.
0: just really cool snakes. Oh yeah. And <clears throat> I must admit, and I think I said this on uh, past NPRs um when when it when it actually showed up, so I got a, a male from Brett Bender and I got a, a female coming from Nick Mutton. But when I when I got him mm. it was like I felt like a little kid again, looking at like, just staring at the snake, like, Oh my God, I can't believe it's, rough scale it's here in my, yeah. in my house. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just, it's so cool uh, to be able to say that I have a rough scale
1: Python, you know? I mean,
0: yeah, Yeah, it's just wow. cool. So I, uh, I, I get it. And I think it's one of those animals that, you know, you can see it in pictures and I don't know if it does it the same justice as seeing it in person. It really
1: doesn't, because there's really something, I mean, pictures are, are definitely a great way to start, so you, because you can see the build and the feel of it, but it's something different of having it in your hands, and, and seeing it in person, like, you remember we saw the rust scales at Crocosaurus Cove in Darwin?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I
1: was like, oh my god, mine are too small, and you're like, you're fine, and I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, you don't understand, and I had a small meltdown. Um, yeah. But you're, it's different seeing it, and then touching it, and then it's almost like we've all been to the zoos and things like that. And we've all seen the animals behind the glass. And that's always how far I thought I was going to be with a lot of different species. Right. And it was just something to behold, like at Crocosaurus Cove, we're like, holy crap, Perenni and holy crap, an Owen Pelly Python. And then, you know, all the different uh, colors of Aki's that I did not know existed other than, you know, yellow and red. Um, But it's just like, okay, I figured that's as far as I was ever going to come with these things is, One day I'll make a trip up to the reptile gardens and I'll see them and it'll be awesome. And you know what? If I beg and plead hard enough and bring Eric with me, maybe Terry will let us go behind the scenes and I can touch it. (laughs) Like, you know, and that's, that's all I thought I'd ever do. And then, you know, being offered the, the babies, uh, the the two boys that I first got was fucking awesome. And then knowing people like Dave B and um, other people that were producing animals and being able to, buy myself, you know, uh, a female and uh you know the the pair that I'm working with now. It's like that was insane. I never thought I'd get that far. Right.
0: Yeah. And um so what we're gonna do <clears throat> um so we I, I we heard um an episode Uh, a podcast with, um, from animals at home and it had, uh, Zach Loafman on Mm. and, uh, or Dr. Zach
1: Loafman.
0: Dr. Zach Loafman. Dr. Dr. Um, he, uh, and he was talking about, um, like natural history and how it can help you, uh, you know, set up an animal and be, um, you know, try to be as successful as you can with that animal and Mm. trying to dial in exactly what it needs. So that's sort of what we're going to do with the rough scale Python. We're going to, We're going to dissect it and talk all about it, and hopefully we'll give you uh, some insight on what makes these guys tick, and if you, you know, maybe you can look into more stuff if you want to learn more. There's not a ton of information out there, but... To be honest, though,
1: there's not a ton of information, but there's more information than we fucking have. So...
0: I think I think my uh, outline oh and I thought you would like that I typed I it up real nice for you I thought Thank you, you know, it's pretty much everything you can frame it. possibly want <laughs> <laughs> in a rough scale if anybody's interested in and I can always send people copies too. it's not a big deal but um anyway so taxonomy let's let's start there our start favorite subject
1: <laughs> and, um, and it may have it might change by the time we get done doing taxonomy so,
0: yeah that's yeah. true Um. So, this is a python that until 1994 was only known from two specimens. So, That's
1: two. insane. That's insane. Yeah. The fact that that is, that it, since '94, only known yeah. by two specimens. Like, yeah. I don't think people appreciate the fact that you can turn your nose up at a rough scale python at a US captive show. Yes. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: So both of those were collected in a remote part of the Kimberley during, they were doing some surveys of uh, the Western uh, Australian Museum was doing some surveys and um, the specimens obviously were killed at the time of collection. So they couldn't do any kind of behavioral or ecological data uh, was to figure it out on the. Scientists are
1: really good about shooting their own foot off with that kind of shit. Yeah, I know. We found it. Murder it. What? Kill it. (laughs) Kill it. it, Put it in this jar. <clears throat> if only we knew more about it. Well, we probably could if you didn't just kill it. And we well.
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, just by the head and the body and, um, you know, uh, the keeled uh, nature, the scales and all this stuff, um, you know, pretty much f- they figured out that they have a new species. Um, and uh, the taxon was formally described as Morelia carinata in 1981. So apart from... Uh, you know, its color and its keeled scales, like we talked about, um, it looks very similar to the green tree python. And it's from the opposite side of Australia. Yeah. Um, and they are closely related. Uh, there was uh, some analysis of uh, mitochondrial DNA. And like I said earlier, it puts them as the sister species to Morelia viridis. And that was done by Rawlings uh, in 08. And according to uh, Rawlings, it was, uh, they split about 25 million years ago, which I'm not mistaken. That's right around the time that the bread lie kind of sp- breadly split off from um, carpets. If so you were going to make, maybe comparison. it was 10 million years ago.
1: I mean, if you were going to make a comparison of the, those species, I would say breadly. Uh, I would say um, rough scale pythons are the, the breadly to a green tree python. It makes a lot of sense, especially because if you look at Bradley, they're my, very much almost an island species, but yeah. they happen to live in a desert. Yeah. So rough scale pythons are an island species that live in a gorge.
0: Yeah. 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 We uh, <clears throat> they um, they you know, I, I guess the theory is, is that, uh, you know, uh, Australia at that time was uh, becoming more and more arid. Mm. Um, this kind of led to the split between the two. Um, there are some talk that maybe green trees and rough scales should be in their own genus and not in Moralia.
1: I agree, um, but I will not call it Chondropython. It needs to be something else.
0: Chondropython, <laughs> Carinata. No, no. <laughs> that just don't sound no, right. No, it doesn't right? sound right. No, it doesn't, no, it the doesn't right
1: roll ring. off the tongue. It doesn't give me a good mouthfeel. Yeah, no, so, I know. Yeah. So that
0: means then that the rough scale python would be the superior chondro.
1: We could All right, have see night. that. Okay, see, now. <laughs> now with now that. I now I got gotcha. now, <laughs> you. you you know me too well.
0: Yeah. So um, I'm not sure if this is gonna be covered in the new upcoming complete carpet. Uh, God, I know I hope that so. um, it was in the original complete carpet. They, they included rough scale pythons like right. that because well, they're sort of uh Pelly Python is in the new one,
1: right? Yeah,
0: so I don't know if they have carpets on Pellies and Ruffies. Man, that's like a oh small idea, man. That's like oh, my, my favorite God. things all in <laughs> one book. Oh dear, oh dear. This is my favorite book. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So maybe we'll learn more about taxonomy or whatever. But as we always talk, you know, taxonomy is fluid, and you know it depends on if you're a lumper or a splitter or whatever. But that's sort of where they stand right now. Morelia carinata. So the history. So roughies have a cool story, man. They really, really do. I mean, like out of all the snakes,
1: badass. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's just their, their story is so cool, and I, I kind of like went, you know, meticulously year by year uh, to try to get it all together. But so. Um, basically, uh, the overview is, is: beginning in 1993, John Wagle undertook several trips to the Northern Kimberley in search for Morelia carinata. Ten such trips, mm. uh, where there were one to four weeks in duration, um, they were conducted as uh, and resulted in discovery of ten rough scale py- pythons.
1: So, Can you like, you imagine you about- going. Can you imagine going? No. You're going to find an animal that has not been seen alive. And the only specimens we have are in jars.
0: That would be like all of a sudden then saying that there's a new carpet python, like some weird spot in Australia where they weren't before. And Eric, you're going to go find them. Like what? <laughs> it's,
1: it's, it's, it, it's, it's daunting and it's insane and it's freaking amazing. Yeah. I would so be that... on board. I will ride <laughs> underneath the helicopter. Like you don't even need to like strap me to one of the legs
0: Right, just uh, be along for the ride. Right, so, yeah. um, so you had the two initial specimens uh, mm-hmm. from the Western Australia Museum, and then you have the other ten, which was a total of twelve snakes that uh, that are known at this time. Right, in nineteen ninety three. So six. Right. I thought this was interesting um, when they did um, when John Weigel uh, did his uh, studies and when he was looking for them. He said uh, six of them were found on rock ledges mm. and in caves, right? Mm. Four of them were in trees, and two of them were on the ground.
1: So, Makes sense.
0: Um, I don't know. You uh, <laughs> you take what you will from that. I mean, you know, um, just like chondros, um, you know, they're sort of, um, you know, thought to perch a lot and be very arboreal. The, the tail is very prehensile. We'll get into that. Um, so two snakes uh, were closely associated with um, fruit bearing trees um, so I guess this would be like uh or you know ambush sites for birds or for mammals that birds kind of back, thing things bad, um, yeah and uh, one snake was rescued from the coils of a two point two meter long olive python which we'll get into that
1: what a dick <laughs> <Like it's...
0: laughs> that's a pretty cool story um so yeah we'll we'll get into it so. <clears throat> It wasn't until uh, 1976, right? That's when it was first described by Laurie Smith uh, of uh, Western Australia Museum. Uh, That description was based off of a single specimen that was collected um, by researcher Dr. Ron Johnstone during a 1976 fauna survey of the Mitchell Falls area uh, of the Kimberley regions in Australia's remote northwest. So this is like a really, really remote area like hard to get to
1: something goes wrong you're dead nobody no there help you or no one will get there in time yeah 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 exactly
0: so um so that's 1976 that's two years before i was after i was born um yes i I'm wouldn't even old. hear yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i, I actually um, now we're talking about Owens, Earth, eh? 1987
1: 1987 yep. well, 1986 <laughs> sir um if, you're, oh, wow, if you want to go buy it what yeah well they said like your your description of like when they were finally described in 81 i'm like five years before i was born shit <laughs> like it's
0: yeah it's crazy so in june uh, of 1987 a second specimen was found during a nature survey i was of one Timberly the, <laughs> the rainforest by a team from the western australia museum um, it was found during a day roosting on the upper tree branch of a large rainforest tree. I, immediately when I hear these descriptions, I'm thinking of our uh, Owen Pelly yeah. adventure. Um, it was adjacent to a steep cliff, and yep. this okay. was at the yep. mouth of Prince Frederick Harbor. Um, i can go
1: hey, dude. You know, you guys were able to talk some sense into me about climbing the tree for the Owen Pelly python, right? Rough scale in the tree. I'm not even asking. I'm just going. <laughs> like it's. Just pick up my broken body and drag me back to camp. (laughs) All
0: right. Yeah. Um, So in May of 19 – so that's 1987. So first we had 1976. Right. 1987. And now we're at May of 1993. So this is the gap between that one that they found and then the next one. So Trent Mm -hmm. Russell, Russell, um, he was a reptile park keeper, found a juvenile. And this was the first living specimen to be photographed, which is kind of crazy that's um yeah so in 1994 john weigel found the young adult suspended in a low shrub this was thought to be uh they like an ambush feeding position uh, Mm. similar again to uh to to uh, green trees and other moralia um and what's cool about this is that i have a link and I'll, i'll post it over on the um uh npr facebook network facebook page is, um, it's, uh, or you can look it up too. It's Malcolm Douglas, Kimberly adventure, part one. And they have a video of him and John Weigel finding that snake. It's so cool. Oh, and if you didn't, you can click on that little link that I left in the notes and it'll take you right to it. I
1: can't, we're doing a show right now. No, not right now.
0: (laughs) Um, so that was in 1994. So in 1998, John Weigel was encouraged by Richard Stein to apply for a permit Um, from the Western Australia uh, Conservation and Land Management uh, to collect a founder group of rough scales for the purpose of captive study and breeding. It will require three years and three extended trips to secure the targeted five founder specimens that would be required to start the program. Um, And It would be uh, three males and two females is what they were looking for. Um, And they didn't find any rough scales on the first trip. (laughs) which is kind of sucks,
1: but yeah,
0: especially to go through all that effort and not, and
1: not yeah, but you, 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 like you have the piece of paper, like clutched in your hands. Like I can keep them now. Yes. And then you don't find any. Now I like, the mother. <laughs> yes. It's crazy. Um, so uh, in May of
0: 1999, um, I think it was a team of eight, uh, six of them from the reptile Parkwood helicopter into one of the Hunter river tributaries. Um, and after nine days of searching, uh, success was heading south quickly. (laughs) They were like not having any luck at all. Um, so the, uh, Australian reptile park manager, Rob Porter took a lunch break and while casually (laughs) observing a small bird, um, in the foliage above managed to distinguish the coils of the snake, uh, from the tree uh that it was perched on so he climbed up the tree there he goes oh yep, yeah, climbed the, the tree <laughs> he was yeah. not letting that one go get that tree and, yeah and it was uh it was a mature male nice. um and then uh that evening they set out to find another um Alf Brighton um he was uh New South Wales forestry manager ignored the opinion of weigel and searched in the mangrove so i guess there was some debate on you know why would you find a rough scale python in the mangroves? Um, why would know, believe yeah. that that was just not the place? Maybe the salt, yeah. whatever the case would be, um, the, the uh, you know, just didn't seem. I, I wouldn't think to look there either. But mm. um, within an hour of searching, uh, he would find a subadult female, and she was lying tightly coiled on the moist mud sand ground, no more than two meters from the nearest mangrove tree. So, wow. So that's kind of wild. Mm-hmm. um
1: I, I in it. 2000 i mean four, to be honest to be honest i think it's the any any i think any species of python in australia is going to take getting food wherever it can get it so yeah why wouldn't they be in the mangroves why the hell not
0: yeah well, yeah it's true yeah hey, i guess it's like you know we have these preconceived notions of what these snakes are doing <laughs> or could be doing based on how we keep them in captivity but we're sort of like we're sort of like only allowing them to be captive and not wild, right. if you will. So they can't, I think you said that, right? You said that yeah. before,
1: I think one time. Yeah.
0: Um, so you don't really get to see all of those natural behaviors, if you will.
1: So We don't know. And all we can do is guess. And, right, you know, you won't know like uh rock crevices and, you know, cliffs. I totally see that because I totally see them using those scales as anchors to push themselves into cracks in this way. You can't pull them out easily. And, right. but you know, I, I think they're opportunistic. They're going to hit and kill whatever they can get, whether it be yeah. toads, frogs, fish, bird, mammal.
0: Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> so, uh, fast forward, uh, 2000. So a mm-hmm. team of four, they set out to find the final three rough scales, um, Ben tannick Um, he was a manager and Dr. Dave Pearson. Um, mm-hmm if that name stands out to me because he's done a lot of work with, uh, Richard shine, Dr. Richard shine mm-hmm. with, uh, carpet pythons, diamond pythons and Mercata, stuff like that. a lot, a lot of work with, uh, Australian pythons. So, um, he, he, he brought these, um, he, I, I guess they, they called them Elliot traps. Um, and he was hoping to find uh, samples of nocturnal animal fauna in the area that where they would be working. So mm-hmm. and additionally, which this is the cool part of the story, Mark O'Shea yep. accompanied them during the first half of the trip, um, along with six members of the BBC film crew, right? So mm-hmm. finding the snakes, they couldn't find it for two weeks. They looked, they looked, they couldn't find it. I think it was like a thousand man hours of looking for them. Um, and on that final night, um, O'Shea's team uh of uh O'Shea being there. Um, they were, they were inching, wait a minute. Um, they were, they were doing like, uh, I guess like, uh, the closing, the closing of their, the, you know, because Marco O'Shea like when he did the difference between him and other, uh, people of the time that did like, <laughs> I guess like Steve Irwin or like, uh, Jeff Corwin or guys like that is that if, if Marco Shea went herping and he didn't find anything, he didn't find you it. He didn't find
1: it. They didn't. They <laughs> didn't pull a snake out of somebody's no. collection and put it on the ground. Correct. Yeah.
0: Which is why I think Marco Shea gets a lot of respect.
1: Yeah. Right. Of, if, from <laughs> that error, dude. Sometimes you strike out. I mean, we can sit there yeah. and say we we officially kind of struck out when we went to Texas. Why well, I want to go back? Piss me off. So yeah, you know. So
0: they ended up finding mm. um uh one. Um, it was on a narrow cliff ledge um, just above the crown of laden trees. Again, so reminiscent of what we saw with Owen Pelly, um, And it was uh, five and five and a half foot, foot female. Um, she was soaking up the, the retained heat on the north facing ledge, nice. reached for the snake just as she was going into the crevice um again i just think of that snake that owen pelly switching to the other side and all that stuff and just it's just like when i read the story i have these flashbacks of that of that trip it's just i don't know so many parallels between the two so john made his way back to camp where o'shea he was shooting the final scene and like i said he was saying about how he uh didn't find any rough scale pythons in the expedition and then John Weigel just kind of threw the bag in his lap and um, held the fem and it had the female that he just found. And uh, they ended up reshooting that ending and, mm-hmm. and you know, saying, Oh, look, we found it. The next night, Alf uh, made a pre dawn run check to the traps from an overnight uh, from his mammal captures, and he found out a two meter long olive python okay. in the process of constricting some prey. Yeah. That prey turned out to be a one meter rough scale Python. So he freed the rough scale Python and although it was a bit groggy and, you know, you know how they, I, I, I'm sure you, I mean, constricting,
1: constricting can be, you know, I mean, yeah, uh, we've had that with, um, I've had that with white lips and cow kings when they, when you separate them, they're like, Whoa, like, yeah, that, that went poorly. It's like, yeah, dude. (laughs) Like, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, it eventually made a full recovery and um, that male was the fourth specimen of the breeding program. And then five days later they would encounter a feisty young male as it's described on the ground entangled in a mass of fig tree root uh, and vines. And um, it was, uh, it was, what was it? Uh, Yeah. It was over the cliff uh, 10 meters overhead. So I guess that one was up in the air too. Yeah. um, Like off the cliffs and stuff. So, Okay, so by 2004, right, after 17 trips to the Kimberley region of of Western Australia, um, the Australian Reptile Park team members have managed to locate 10 specimens of the rough-scale python. Wow, that's crazy. So they had their group, um, and uh, yeah, they went to to get into breeding it, and we'll get into uh, how they did that and Mm figured that out. You know, again, the thing with the rough scale is, is this is not a lot of natural history available on it because the place is so remote. Not a lot of people have studied it. Yeah. And most of the information that we know today is all from captivity. So,
1: yeah. And it's really just it's really just a really crummy place to get to and a really crummy place to, you know, also you can sit there and say, like, well, why doesn't somebody just go out and study? Well, you also need funding for that kind of stuff. And this yeah. isn't one of those easy things where you can study it. And then go stay at an Airbnb later or something like that. You're you're gonna be <laughs> you're gonna be out there, and uh, yeah. you have to bring everything you're gonna need with you, or it's not coming. So, yeah, that's insane though. Can you imagine? Like, so the ancestors of your rough scale python, yep, had to ride a helicopter out of the Kimberley after being captured by by Waggle. It's crazy. Yeah and for all you know that's for everybody for all you know the great-grandparents uh the great grandmother of your rough scale python was that one that they found in the back like that they put in Marco marco's lab
0: right how crazy is that nuts it's
1: nuts because you, you think about that i have no idea where my carpet pythons several generations ago were or what happened or where like all that stuff so 100% same. yeah
0: all right, so let's talk about some of the characteristics of uh, of the roughies. So one thing about them, uh, size wise, they're you know the modded size, the carpet python size, you know, two meters, six foot, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. As babies, they start a little bit smaller than carpets. Um, I think they're probably in between. I know, and you were telling me this yesterday, yeah. but you've they're seen,
1: small. yeah, you've, I've seen you've dead seen ones something. that hatch out of my eggs when I pull them apart and cry, but right. um, it's it's.
0: Huh. So it's like 15 to 17 grams, I think. I think
1: that's, you know, I think that's right on the money there. They're, it's not like everybody has that moment when they see a fresh fresh hatch green tree python. And you're like, holy shit, they're tiny. Because everything that you yeah. assume is a baby green tree python at a show is like a year old. Like it's right not. So, um, yeah, they're really small. <laughs> yeah, they're really yeah, So, yeah. Um, I would say the rough scales are are bigger. I would say that um, I've, had, I've had carpets hatch out that are about the same size as a baby rough scale, but they're like oh. twins or runts or something like that. So your small end of carpets is right around your big end of rough scales. So right. my fear is if you get twin rough scales, what the fuck does that look like? The corn tree. snake.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Pygmy python. It's an anthill python. Oh, God. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, but they, the, out of Morelia, they're one of the ones that do not have uh, an ontogenic color change. I'm not sure why, I guess maybe I was thinking about that and I'm thinking like, maybe it has to do with the fact that, you know, they stay in that Mm -hmm. sandstone, rocky outcrop Mm -hmm. uh, environment. So there's no need for them to be a different color. Whereas with maybe with uh, green trees, um, you know, they're down more in like that, um, Lower to the ground type of uh, vine thickets and stuff, you know. So maybe it's blending in with the flowers and stuff like
1: that. that would I mean, be they're they're designed to blend into the rocks from birth. And also, again, is you got to keep you got to think about Carinata as an island species. They're so interbred that you know you might get some pattern changes, but everything's going to be pretty much uniform. It's like it, it's. You know, because they're desi- they're designed to live there. Anything that might be different isn't going to survive in that kind of a harsh environment. So, not really a lot of room for, you know, variation.
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, they're they're basically like a brownish. Um, you know, they have some white pale brown blotches, uh, blotches become larger as they go towards the tail. The pattern, uh, you know, appears to be reversed, I guess. The lips uh, and the ventral surface are a cream color. Um, the interesting thing is they have no black pigment.
1: Nope. So that's none. Interesting. Yep. You know? Just brown um, and cream color. And there is some variation and we're starting to fuck around with like, ooh, stripes. Striping, like that's. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't want, I don't want their, like, I think that, I think the worst thing would be is if we had a genetic mutation in Caranata. Uh, oh God. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. I don't want to deal with but that.
0: They have a slender build, but they, they, they have a big
1: wide We're head. Like, right? it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's like it's somebody crazy. took a scrub head and put it on a chondral body. It's just, it's yeah. mostly head. And it's, we all talk about like an arrow shaped head in a carpet python this thing is so pointed and and so big at the back end it is it, it it it's almost leans more towards a green tree python in the way that it's designed and i would almost see them sit like a you know one of those um god damn it a rubiox when i get that huge kind of a muscly head
0: oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: it's like, like a, that I, you know. but this the, these are naturally occurring Yeah, right. Because they're the dragon. Shut up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, The tail, like I said, is extremely prehensile, um, and obviously, like other Morelia, right? That's Mm -hmm. one of the characteristics of the genus Morelia, Um, and they are considered to (laughs) they're considered to be nocturnal and uh, mostly arboreal. So, um,
1: we didn't didn't talk about this with the natural history, but but you were telling me the other day. Is that when the guy found the first one in that cave, he thought it was a carpet python. And it's yeah. like it's like were scientists back then just like, nah, another carpet python. It's like, no, they're different. And like this yeah. is why we have such problems now. Not everything's <laughs> a carpet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, for they call them crappits, but everything uh, is one.
1: <laughs> why I have such problems now? It's like not everything's a carpet, but um they're very cool. And and I find with my guys they are really really good at shoving themselves underneath things in between things um they're like crevices they're like cracks they like up being up high they like uh pretty much uh they'll sandwich themselves under cork bark or in between cork bark uh when they were babies i gave them cork bark tubes and the male never left it like he ate out of that tube and like he basically just lived in it which right. is you know great until he's so big that I never see him. Like yeah, I need him out of there every once in a while. So, um, right,
0: Remember that Yeah, yeah the there's.
1: there's, there's... Yeah, so one like thing I noticed, it,
0: and I'm curious of your thoughts with this. One thing I yep. noticed, and again, I only have the one, and I've only had it for a little while. But like every time I have it, so I have it with perching that's in in the tub and mm. whatnot. But it does. Uh, I call it scrub python, right? It always just telescopes straight up. Yep. It's like trying to go up. Up constantly. Yep. Like wherever I like carpets sometimes do that, but with this with this every time I good. take it out. Yep. Up. Um
1: up is good, up is safe. But here's the other thing is that I, I used to have um chondro perches in with the babies when they were tiny. Right. And they hated them. They never mm-hmm. sat on them, They never did anything. It's when I moved them up to bigger cages and gave them like those big spider vines and stuff like yes. that. Yes. And larger like sticks. a couple points they like they like a ledge they like a it's almost like a hammock thing like what we saw in that darwin
0: uh-huh. they
1: like being at a point where it's not a thin little thing they like to drape over rocks and large sticks they want support so right. they they won't sit like a chondro on a little like twig they'll uh-huh. drape like a freaking scrub or a, a carpet along these big branches and they'll just lay there gotcha
0: So it's kind of like uh, multiple multiple contact points is what they're looking for. That's why
1: I I have the rock shelves in my guys' cages, and they will crawl up on top of those and just drape across those. I gotcha. And then I also have the ceiling hide, so they'll go in there. And then when I'm pulling the ceiling hide out, they'll actually puff up their body to make it harder for me to pull the hide out. So that, that just tells me that they like that's their way of staying in crevices and cracks and things like that gotcha
0: um probably the thing that they're most well known for um is the keeled scales so
1: we are a rough um, scale python
0: <laughs> one of the um thoughts uh like why do they have keeled scales uh and i think it was uh john weigel that sort of uh said that uh he believes it's uh camouflage um you know he thinks that um you know they if they it, because the keeled scales um, there's uh, a similar ecological advantage uh, that uh, they have said about rattlesnakes um, with keeled mm-hmm. scales. Um, you know they reflect light differently than than smooth scales do um so making them appear less reflective. so I would imagine that since they're nocturnal, uh, maybe whatever's would would eat them at night, those keeled scales are sort of making them blend into that environment, like, uh, um, just disappear. Um, you know, um,
1: you know, I I don't know. I would buy that. I would say that they're probably one of those things that it has a multi-purpose.
0: Well, yeah, that was the other thing. It's probably what you're going to say next. So go ahead.
1: Yeah. The other thing is that I think it's an anchor, you know, they, they jam themselves into those rock crevices. I know certain monitor species, gecko species, things like that. They use those keeled scales to make it harder for you to get them out of those rock crevices and to hold on, you know, if these are animals that are going to dangle off rocks and tree surfaces to nail an animal and pull it back in, they want to make sure that they're, they're pretty much cleated in and they're not going anywhere for when they jump out and and hit their prey. So I would say that they're, that that's, I would say that it's like that, but I can see the uh, less reflective. I can see the, uh, camouflage. I could see that it gives you a little bit more armor plating. I mean, there's a lot of that it could do, but um, I would say that that's uh, it's a multi-purpose kind of a deal.
0: Yeah, and um, there's a, there's a there's a couple venomous species that sort of have uh, keeled <laughs> scales that uh, sort of have it. But uh, I know I'm probably going to butcher this, but um, Hoplocephalus. Uh,
1: Perfect. I love it. How about you, <laughs> Nick? You good? I know. Uh,
0: Tropodiphus site, uh, what do you think? Did I say that right?
1: Oh, mm-hmm. I'm not even gonna try, I'm just gonna let you okay. go out there on your own and die. Uh, I'll, um, yeah,
0: so yeah, apparently they have keeled scales too. And um, some of the, the articles that I read kind of compared them to the two. Um, and, uh, I would say that it's,
1: it's a lot like a pine snake kind of keeled scale deal, like it, 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 it is, I would say it's more pronounced, right? Um, I've never you know, held anything like a soft scale viper or anything like that, um, but I would say that theirs are probably larger of a keel. Um, uh, uh it's it, it's it's something. It's different. Yeah. I love them. <laughs> it's yeah. not. It's definitely of, cool. Yeah, out of all my pythons, they're the only ones that are bumpy. Like it's, <laughs> <kids. laughs> and
0: it's different than the Angolan python. Um, it's
1: yeah, that's a beaded scale. It's almost yeah. like uh, they're almost like kilomonsters. Yes. Kind of a deal, which is weird. Yeah. going on um, weird.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the next thing that comes to mind when you think of rough scales is their teeth. Um, mm-hmm.
1: okay, sure. They're
0: similar to GTPs, right? They have uh, long teeth and they <laughs> have the longest a- anterior uh, maxillary teeth of any python species. So yeah.
1: It is long. It is recurved. And they have a lot of them. I mean, like, it. it you fail to see you fail to think about just how many teeth a Python has until you open up their mouths and then you see them all. And with rough scales, because they're so long and pointed, you see them all like, and it's just like, dear God. So, um, they have a lot of teeth. And my thinking upon that is just that they, they don't want to be out in that sun. So they want to make sure that whatever they grab something, they can pull it back to where they were hiding or wherever they are and just, make sure that thing doesn't get away whether it's a frog or uh you know a toad um or one of those crazy ass mice that live in that area
0: well yeah the the so you know they're they're wondering like why do they have these teeth and then i think originally uh weigel was saying that he thought it was because that they ate a lot of birds right and um it turns out that um Dr. Pearson um, was setting those traps and mm-hmm. um, he came across this um, rock rat, right? So it's like a Kimberly rock rat. And um, he noticed, I guess, when he was trying to, I don't know if he's trying to, whatever he's trying to do, maybe he's trying to release him, whatever. Right. Um, they sort of uh, they, they sort of got loose from him and what they left is, uh, is two patches of fur and the skin came off. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was then sort of, putting two and two together his thinking was is that basically rough scales and this rock rat are sort of in this uh evolutionary arms race um like you know they're have these long teeth so that maybe they can get a better hold of that of that rock rat uh so it doesn't escape um and they just evolve to sort of like right and the rock rats
1: away. rock rats are evolving to shed their skin because that's how they live so right. it's it you're right it's it's an arms race but I would say that that's why the rough scales have those long fish hooks is just to, to hold on. Otherwise yeah. you're losing it. Whether it is like we, the things we just named frogs are pretty quick. They jump all over the place. You yeah. know, a bird that the bird's going to not give you a second chance. Same thing with bats right. and those rock rats are even harder. So they've evolved to have all the necessary tools to survive in a place where the prey is fast, the prey is quick, and uh, you have to be right on it. So um, because that's the other thing is that, you know, with with as harsh as this environment is, the food cycle for these guys has got to be nuts. You know, I know we talked the other day that um, I was watching something, uh, the David Attenborough thing that you were talking to me about, um, about the uh, spider tail viper. Yeah. The thing only eats when birds are migrating through like Afghanistan, Syria, or wherever the hell it is. Um, I think it's actually Iran. I'm sorry. It's Iran. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it only eats when the birds are migrating through Iran. So during that say a couple weeks, it's eaten as many birds possible because then they're gone for a very, very long time until they're migrating back. Then it has to eat as many birds as possible because they're gone again. So I would say that it's gotta be a lot like this thing is where rough scale pythons have gotta be eating when the weather's nice because come monsoon season, Nothing's going to be out with the amount of rainfall that's hitting this place.
0: Right. And, you know, one of the other um, things that uh, Ruffies are known for with their teeth is their defensive...
1: Um, breath display, like the Predator. display. <laughs>
0: um, which... I've seen other snakes do it, but it's it's not different. It, it's, it's very intimidating. Different
1: doesn't it, matter. It's like well, I mean, we've all had that one carpet python just very very mad at us and his open mouth hissing at us. Yeah, it's different. Rough scales, they'll flare out the bottom jaw, right? So they show you all the teeth, and it's one of those things of like a lot of times it's silent too. So it's like they're just maintaining <laughs> eye contact with you and then showing you all their teeth. And then right. that's it. And it's like, do you, do you, you want to keep going? Cause this is what I will use to hurt you. And it's like, all right, I'm good. Right. So it's, I've only ever seen it. Is it like
0: twice. one of those things twice Twice. and what, twice, what, what brought it on? What do you think brought it on?
1: Okay so the first time is when uh I got my first two boys they were delivered to me during a uh-huh. snowstorm and the guy put a uh mitten oh, one god, in there. That. oh my god yes, I remember oh that. my
0: god <laughs> you want to talk about Owen being
1: stressed oh <laughs> my god I thought I thought they were dead when yeah. I pulled them out I thought they were dead uh-huh. and the way I saw that they were still alive is one of the males did the threat display
0: I'm uh-huh. like oh my
1: god and I, like and then I I filled up a giant bottle of hot, hot water. I brought like 80-hour heat packs. I literally put these two little baby pythons on top of this Fiji bottle of water. They were filled with hot water, and I just put them on top of it, and they just sat there. And they just slowly started coming back. They started flicking their tongues. They started looking at me. They started kind of moving around a little bit. Once they started really going, I put them back in their deli cups and I put them back in their box, but I had, like, two 80-hour 80 80 heat packs in there with them. Oh, so I was I was cooking the hell out of them. Man. I was, oh, my God, I was nearly, oh, uh, I would have been sick. I would have walked into the ocean with rocks in my pocket. <laughs> like, it would have been, uh, anyway. But that was the first time I saw the threat display. And I'm like, uh-huh. and it's one of those, like, in the heat of the moment, I didn't, I, like, didn't care. Wasn't even looking. Later on, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, that's what it was. Yeah. And then the second time is when my, um, when the pair that I have now was a little bit older. And I moved them from the bins into uh, these two-by-two cubes, uh, chondro cubes, arboro cubes. Right. I went downstairs one night to look at, to check for carpet breeding and stuff like that. And I had a flashlight. And I rounded the corner and I surprised my male. And he snapped back from like a hunting position and flared out his mouth. Oh, and I'm wow. like, Oh shit. Like, and it was one of those things where it happened so quickly. Right. It's very hard to get a picture of unless you have somebody there to just take a picture of it. Like it's, it's one of those things that they, they don't really sit there with the mouth totally open all the time. Cause they'll uh-huh. sit there and they'll show it. And then they'll slowly start closing it. So um, it's, it's not, it's hard to get a photograph of. So everybody should appreciate all the, Photographs that we have at it because people probably had to try a very long time to piss off a lot of snakes. Yeah. So and it's would, really hard to piss them off. It really is. Yeah, they're
0: pretty mellow from um you know my exp- you know again my, my experience with them. Is right. My my funny.
1: one male had like a he, he had an infection in his mouth because he put his tooth through his um, gums or something like that. Right. And every time I cleaned out his mouth, he did not once throw 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 the threat display. He didn't once bite me, he didn't do any of that kind of stuff. If I've ever been bit by a rough scale, it's because they missed the food.
0: Right. So what what I've heard that before, like mm. they just put their tooth through their gum. Is it like they have,
1: they, the problem is that the teeth are so long yeah. that every once in a while they'll bite their gums or they'll bite their lip or they do that other thing. And then it happens with carpets all the time. They'll they'll hook their lip over their tooth or something like that and they'll look stupid right. for a while. Right. It's harder for the rough scales to kind of correct it. Right. Um, and sometimes they'll like tear the lip, and if it feels stupid or it's infected, right. like what what happened with my boy, um, you end up having to you know clean it out and make sure it stays clean, otherwise, you can get mouth rot and shit like that, right? So, I
0: would, I would imagine it's a lot like keeping a frilled dragon, right? I would imagine that the coolest thing about the frilled dragon is that it's all that it puts its frill out, but for the right. most part. When it's just normal and everything. it doesn't do that. Yeah, if
1: you if you're doing it if you're keeping the animal correctly and happy, it yeah. won't do it. Yeah. It's like how if I got a basilisk lizard and I mm-hmm. fill up my tub and throw the freaking lizard at the tub, it's just gonna sink in the water. It's not gonna <laughs> run across it like I right. want it to. Right.
0: Uh, yeah. Or was so. the
1: um if we throw the flare to we throw the uh paradise flying snake off the roof will it fly? I mean <laughs>
0: What do we call it? We we
1: if we wheeler the paradise flying snake off the roof, will it fly? It will it fly? Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, imagine well, that. That'd be one of those, you do it, and then you'd be like, look at it. It's so awesome and majestic and in Eric's neighbor's guard. Like, and it's just shit. And then we have to all run down and try to get it. Like, yeah, it's...
0: All right. Oh, no, the dog has it. What are yeah, we exactly. Do?
1: Like, so it, the thing is, is that if you see the rough scale do it, it. it consider it lucky it's awesome now i don't say like eric you shouldn't go trying to surprise your baby skin. (laughs) like (laughs) don't whip open the bin and be like ah (laughs) like it's it'll probably just stare at you most of the time
0: gotcha yeah okay fair enough um another thing that they're known for which uh again uh similar to uh the owen pelly is that they change
1: color you did not have this picture in with the last set holy shit yeah right one below oh my god
0: yeah, cool, right so they they change from light to dark uh it's in a relatively short amount of time right and uh it's not well studied why they do this but um john weigel mentioned that he observed this um they turn like this uh ghostly silver light color in the early hours in the night um and then as the night progresses they turn into a dark brown um, it's got it it's got to be dormant sitting on a i don't
1: know yeah. It's got to be moonlight or something like that because I've 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 seen my rough scales when the light turn off. They don't turn silver, right? You know, you know what I'm doing this summer. I'm just going out the backyard <laughs> with my rough scales and see what the I'm gonna wander around in my backyard. Right. I'm listening to like the fuck are you doing? I'm like I'm trying to turn the rough scale silver. Leave me be. Like yeah. yeah.
0: It's... So, the other um, the other. Uh, interesting thing about them is their head scaling.
1: Yeah, that's a great picture of the one right there. That's
0: huge. Right, I mean you can't get any better than that. Yeah, um, they just have this round frontal
1: head shield. Yeah. Head
0: shield. It's just uh, not sure why. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I've I seen to say why.
1: I mean, um, I've seen large scales of like I've seen conjos that have big scales right in between the eyes like that, but they're not that huge. They're also right. not like pronounced. It just almost is like there are some larger ones in that area, but that that is pronounced, and that is. Yeah, I don't even. I can't even say that why that's there. It serves no purpose. It's not harder than the rest of the scales around it. It's not like it's armor or anything like that. Um, the hell, if I know. Pretty much. Yeah.
0: I don't know either, but uh, it's it's very cool. It's very uh, unique. Uh, to them as far as pythons go um so yeah uh cool stuff so as far as there's sexual dimorphism um
1: females are bigger males are smaller next much. <laughs> <Like this>.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the only thing that i that i that i picked out from from that was yeah. um the the spurs of yep. adult males are smaller uh relative to the body length um than you would see in other australian pythons. i mean
1: when you're that badass, do you really need big spurs? I mean, come on.
0: <laughs> Fine. Um, uh, they do differ though. Um, between them and, uh, Maria Viertis, um, when, uh, which they have very large spurs in males. So
1: my point, like, yeah, you're not you're as cool, yeah. Fuller, yeah. My point. Bigger, you gotta, uh, you gotta spur. be flashy with your big spurs. I mean, come on now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, man, you know, when I was a kid, that was yeah. like telltale sign of
1: like male, male. Female, you know, but like, you can't do that. Cause I mean, you, you, like, can't. you remember, I, did I ever tell you the one time I brought Venus to a reptile show? No, I brought Venus to a reptile show. And this is like, she's, she, at this point she has like four clutches under her belt. Uh-huh. And somebody's like, that's a male. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm, like, no, uh-huh. I'm like, no, it's not. He goes, you can tell by the tapered tail. I'm like, it's a female. He goes, I don't know who told you that. I'm like, Paul Harris. And he's like, he's like, I don't know who that is, but that's a male. I'm like, cool. And I just pulled up my phone, and I had, like, pictures of her laying her last clutch. I'm like, that's real weird, dude. Like, I don't know why she, <laughs> she would, be would be laying eggs. eggs. Like, I don't <laughs> bite me, dude. Like, I, of course, there are certain ways you can tell, but sure. you've got to understand that, that certain animals – even in the species are going to be exceptions to those rules, kind of like that. Like, yeah, oh, I know. Long, thin, tapered tails usually means male. I have at least five females that have very long tapered tails. They're all proven. Like right. they've all laid eggs. I've seen it. So I mean, it, it like the same thing with you. Like, I have some males that have huge spurs. I have ones that not really. Right. So
0: um so where are they from what's the distribution, distribution map,
1: map makes me sad <laughs> <laughs> it's like this little dot it's up in there like, i'm like where are they oh is that like a little mistake oh no that's the range like, <laughs> did somebody spill something oh my god thing. no so they're
0: found in these monsoon <laughs> like, forests. You know bad it out. is it's
1: like oh and if you ever want to see your dream species in the wild yeah, you have to this is there. the one place you can right. go and even then you might not. You might not
0: see you might it, yeah, uh, Unless you're taking four weeks trips. Um,
1: oh God! Uh,
0: if if I ever won the lottery, that would be what I would do. I would. Uh, we would. We would be on oh, an yeah. expedition. The oh, NPR yeah. network would be on oh, an expedition. God, yes. <laughs> I'm
1: quitting my job, and we're going. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
0: so they're found in monsoon uh rain uh, forest uh in these gorges um mm. and they're from the northwestern portion of the kimberley district in western australia that's <sighs> it that's all that uh known. uh so there's, very there's few uh, specimens have been observed
1: there. yeah there's nothing
0: and uh most of them being from uh various gorges uh, of the mitchell and hunter rivers um there was one report of one of them off an island off the off the coast there Mm. Uh, on this biggie island um my so, island
1: locality oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I'm, I'm gonna get me some biggie island locality um rough scale I, I hate the name <laughs> so
0: it's hard to say that definitively that they're only from this area because that's such a hard area to get to you don't that, know uh maybe there's you know well, i don't Riley
1: know and i are running into this problem with for corner where it's like the uh They're listed as a threatened species. It's like, oh, well, how much research has been done? None. (laughs) It's like, oh, Um, we can only really find them in one area, but where we find them is harsh as hell. So nobody's gone up there to study it. So we don't know. Could be more, could be less, but according to our numbers, they're clearly threatened. It's like, but we don't know.
0: I would think that the, that, so with Owen Pelly pythons, Mm -hmm. they're more from like the, you know, uh, Nerlangi. Type of uh, area, and yeah. <clears throat> I would I would almost bet to think that it, it's possible, you know, that Owen Pelleys would be um, in that same spot in the, the Kimberley,
1: kind of I mean, head over towards the Kimberley. I mean, cause it's
0: possible. I mean, they're hard to find anyway. I mean, uh, there's the Darwin. environment's almost exactly the same. You I know? mean, there's
1: Darwin, and it just kind of goes down the coast. I mean, the problem yeah. is you dip down, like let's say that. Australia didn't dip down that way and it was just flat across from Darwin to the Kimberley. I, I could totally see that. It's just that how far down do you go and how much of a difference in, uh, temperature is that dripping, dipping down that way.
0: Dipping down. What do you mean?
1: Like, yeah, uh, like the coastline, coastline goes down towards oh. north south. So, um,
0: no, I don't think – I think it's pretty much – well, if you look at the – we'll get into that. Um, yeah. It's pretty much uh, identical to what Darwin. you would find in Kakadu and Erlang. Well, maybe
1: maybe they do get down that far. Maybe they did at one point, or again, maybe nobody's really done the studies, and maybe there is uh, some sort of Kimberly-Owen-Belly um, oh, python.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So, Does it look uh,
1: different than the ones over in uh, Darwin? I mean – I don't, I don't know.
0: Maybe if you're feeling, uh, if yeah. people are feeling crazy and you want to take on something. Uh, yeah, Northern
1: territory, Owen Pelley pythons versus, you know, Kimberly Owen Pelley pythons. Right. Okay.
0: And, and with that thinking, is it possible that roughies could have more of a, a, a wider range? Yeah, I guess. No, I, don't I know.
1: mean, I, I imagine they're a kind of species that maybe they'll follow the river. So if they live on in these gorges, they'll disperse all the way down the river. So depending on how far the river goes until it changes or becomes inhabitable or they run into something that's bigger, badder and rules that area, maybe they can follow the entire river down the gorges.
0: Yeah. If you, um, if you look up, uh, if you Google like the Kimberly, um, mm. uh, Mitchell, uh, Plateau, Um, anything like that, you'll get a, you'll get an idea of what this environment looks like, but it's like these huge rock walls with like these little, um, you know, I guess during the, the wetter season that these, uh, I would assume that, you know, that sort of dries up a bit, uh, between Mm -hmm. the wet and the dry, but, um, you know, they have these little pockets of, uh, you can see on that bottom picture, oh, and these like little monsoon, uh, forest, um. And it's, it's funny how Morelia is always sort of like, they're always, no matter what species we're talking about, it's always like these like pockets of trees Mm. along water courses. And like, and even if it's dry at the top, like they sort of just hang out in these areas.
1: I would imagine that's a good spot for all the prey to come. What Um, do you need? You need water. Water. What else (laughs) needs water? The food. So you need number one, Water. Number two, a place to hide so that when Check. food comes, you can kill it. Check. So got it. That's all I pretty much need, and you right. know what? Because it's a good spot, the females will show up, and then we can make. And that's all. That's it. Done. It's perfect.
0: Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah, man. You can. You can see. Um. Beautiful. You know. It's. It's very. It's a lot of those pictures. Don't. It, don't it remind you of what we saw in like Kakadu and stuff? It's like Kakadu
1: that? with water. It's, yeah. it's. It's. It's Kakadu in a lake. Like it's. The waterfall's are like gorgeous. This is how I get killed by a freshwater crocodile because I'm just <laughs> yeah, not paying attention and wandering in. into like knee-high <laughs> water going like, yeah. ooh, rough scale python and then dragged in, um, you
0: know? Man. Well, it could be worse. It could be a salty.
1: <laughs> I, think, I think salty would be better. It's over quicker. Just quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, it, it just grabs me and slams me down like a freaking piece of meat and then I'm done. Like right. Fresh, you just gnaw on me for a little bit. So, yeah. So,
0: uh... So um, uh, I went to Weather Spark, um, <laughs> uh, and uh, I looked up. You uh, went the,
1: insane. Got it.
0: <laughs> so. The weather patterns, um, and obviously they don't have it for the Western Kimberly, but they have it East Kimberly uh, the Airport, which you know is sort there? of a. <laughs> well, this is sort of a point that's brought up right a lot. Like a lot of people will sort of like look to these. Uh, weather apps and weather information and all this, uh, you know, to sort of get an idea, but, you know, we're not talking about the same thing. And right? This that's, an airport that's step as one. To, yeah,
1: that. You know, step yeah. one is try to get close, but need to understand is that this is an airport in East Kimberley. We're talking about West Kimberley in a gorge during the middle of a monsoon. Like, right. you, you need to, and also with, with Australia, like, when we were looking for the Mertens monitors and we found all those fruit bats and stuff like that, it can be, like, 110 degrees and then you go underneath the tree line into a pocket where there's cold water running and it just clicks to like 70 degrees and you're like, Oh my God, this is comfortable as shit. Like, and it's just because the temperature outside is that temperature doesn't mean that's what your reptile enjoys being in. So when the cage hits 110 degrees, it's instinct is to get the fuck out of there until the temp drops down enough for it to survive. So you Know it, they're going to go hide in places where they might maintain a uh, core temperature of might they try to maintain a temperature of 70 80 degrees, right?
0: Yeah, it's um, if you look at what's interesting, I found mm. when you look at it all like sort of like how I have it lined up, right? Yeah, it gives you the overall at the top, and yeah, you can just sort of see like right in that middle mm. where it's just hot,
1: <laughs> <laughs> just fucking drops,
0: you know, um, oh, and my God. uh. Where it's May. cool and comfortable is sort of like from May to about September, right? Yeah. Um. And and like they have words like sweltering. In yeah, that is <laughs> horrible. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's it's like sweltering would be ninety five and above. Four wild. p.m. It's
1: sweltering. <clears throat> Jesus.
0: Yeah. It's that and this hot
1: gives... by four p.m. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that stays uh... all the way to eight o'clock. Yeah. It's kinda... Like that doesn't make any sense. Normally, like I mean, summertime here. Four o'clock, it starts getting more towards, like, twilight, a little bit like that. By seven, eight o'clock, you still maybe have some light, but it's like, that's the cool. Like, that's when you're outside with a fire. That's like, you know, it's still hot as shit. It's like 95, 85 degrees at eight o'clock at night.
0: Yeah, I think I have. Hold on. Let me look this
1: up. Oh, it gets more comfortable around 75, 85 degrees by midnight. Jesus.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah it's kind of crazy it's it's kind yeah, of yeah
1: from about noontime to about 4 pm it is above 95 degrees yeah so wow. um yeah there's no no chance in hell a snake's going to be out at that time maybe a monitor even then like that that remember that um that one monitor we found in darwin where it was like it spent five seconds on the asphalt and then in the sun and it was already kind of overheating
0: Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So the wet season is is sweltering, oppressive, and overcast. And the dry wow, that's season just is hot shit. And Oh my partly god. Cloud, you know. Um, and over the course of the year, the, the temperature varies between 60 degrees Fahrenheit and 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, it gets
1: cool, um, which is about 65 degrees Fahrenheit in July for a little bit. And then after that, it <laughs> Right yeah. back to comfortable, which is about 65 to 70. My yeah. God, this is horrible. So, yeah, right. like that, 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 that asks me why they stick close to water. It's going to be a little bit cooler and you can live.
0: Yeah. And humidity, um, when is, uh, Disgusting. You know, yeah, you're looking at, um, basically, you know, from January to about, mid-march yes. it's, it's it's called miserable <laughs> on, the, on the chart on the oh, wow um, and uh it, you know another cool thing that i thought when i was finding this out is like uh just the length of time uh, mm-hmm. of the day so and we sort of talked about this when we did this the first time mm-hmm. but um when we herp in, in the U.S., right, yeah. especially during the summertime, right, you mm-hmm. you know you're looking at the sun going down seven, eight o'clock, eight thirty, something like that, depending yeah. on where you are, and it depended on what part of the summer you're in, right? But um, once that sun goes down, you know, uh, you're going to see action
1: all night long, yeah, you
0: know. Um, and I think there's a little bit of a buildup uh, mm-hmm. because uh, things wake like up, move
1: around, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So like when we were herping in West Texas. We were out till like three o'clock in the morning, uh, herping.
1: Talk about how Justin is a machine, and he just yeah, I know, right? We passed all of us. Ah.
0: He just keeps (laughs) driving, man. I'm glad
1: we don't. I'm glad we don't have to talk with him. He's on next week. Son of a bitch. Yeah, Yeah.
0: he's he's actually tomorrow. tomorrow. (laughs) Um, And um, in Australia, what's 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 odd is is that it it gets darker way earlier. Yeah. So. You're looking at, uh, you know, you're looking at like it, it's, what would that be? So you're looking at like, it's it's basically there. It's like you're looking at 12, 12, right? Well, so
1: yeah, it's 12, 12 right across the board. Finally, I found a species that my my daylight cycle is actually what it's supposed to be. Yeah. But know? the
0: sun, you know, in June, right? The yeah. sunset is at 5 p.m. <laughs>
1: You know, it's it's like it's winter. It's like winter. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Like right now, the sun. Yeah, dude, it's the reversal. You gotta understand that. Yeah. Now, like, thank God we like. I'm I'm just happy with all these charts that you didn't like do moonrise or other stupid shit. Oh shit, it's right there. there. (laughs) (laughs) Keep going. Shit, it's right there. Moon phases. Why is this a thing? um so right. I would
0: imagine that, um, them being nocturnal, uh, their prey being nocturnal, mm-hmm. um, that the moon would probably <laughs> affect that uh, a lot. Maybe like you said earlier, maybe the, uh, the reason why they turned that color is, uh, maybe to help
1: with blend that. hide, you know, moonally. who knows, but that um, I <laughs> had, I found the humidity one for it's muggy, oppressive, miserable, yeah. <laughs> So,
0: <laughs> so if you want to, if you want to get a feel for what's going on in their environment, uh, go to weatherspark. Uh, dot com and just put in uh, the Kimberley, and uh, you'll see what we're talking about. Even then, though, this is spark.
1: still, this is still East Kimberley, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is this is the closest, but it's not I, too far, but it's, it's that not fucking horrible at like the airport in East Kimberley. Yeah. Just <laughs> like, do you remember when we landed in Darwin and I was in jeans? And I'm like, this was a poor decision. Like, yes. was, what did I do? What have I done? <laughs> don't let me get on the plane in jeans. Dude. Oh no! Go like, change now. <laughs> we'll,
0: we will freeze in America. <laughs> yeah, to get on I, know. The
1: plane. I remember we came back at like two in the morning and I was wearing shorts. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> it was like,
0: yeah. Uh, so I don't know what the best time if you were going to herp here. Right. I don't know. It looks to me like as far as like if you're mm-hmm. looking as I would imagine that it's probably going to be difficult to get there with the rain. Right. Um, and if you look at the rainfall chart, you know, um, you're looking at like pretty much May, uh,
1: May. OK. September Good.
0: Good. Good. is kind no. of like where there's no rain.
1: <laughs> OK. So so there is a this was a discussion that happened in the McIntyre household yesterday okay. um, an October wedding. Eric, rob and I go to Australia in October <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> she's like well she's like well well what when are you guys not gonna go to australia I don't know I have to talk to Rob <laughs> <I can't, laughs> I cannot marry you I I can't, like, I can't well, do um, that I can't like listen honey she's like here. well we're gonna hey. do it in 20 we're gonna do it like in 2022 I'm like well we're gonna go to Kimberly in 2022 she's <laughs> like Oh, no. I'm, like, I'm I'm walking this razor's edge of I'm about to get into a very dangerous conversation here yeah. of what's more important, and I don't want to do this. So I'm like, well, we'll figure it out, and we'll you know we'll discuss it with Rob and Eric, and you know, we'll be fine. <laughs> you think you're going to get off enough time to do both the wedding and Australia? We'll be fine. <laughs> like yeah, so his voice is getting higher and higher because <laughs> <laughs> last thing I want to be is you know.
0: I I get I, yeah I I, I mean I, I
1: really I, I mean I'm in your position sir no no I, I, yeah uh, no no it like I'm, I'm like you know we can do a fall wedding I we just have to know when not that I'll that will be in Australia and then we you know we'll figure it out so yeah that's
0: maybe uh, she'll want to go to the Kimberley
1: yeah <laughs> okay. She wants to go to Sydney, and that's about it. Like,
0: uh, you see some cool stuff. that. She'll,
1: she'll maybe come rough it with us once, but, like, to the Kimberley? No. <laughs> too rough. Too rough. Well, She'd go and be a nice trip, and she'd be like, that was a fun day. Let's leave now. <laughs> <And it's> like, <laughs> are,
0: are we there yet? Are we there yet?
1: <laughs> that was, like, it's like how, like, she would go to Kakadu and Erlangi and things like that, and it'd be really cool, but then she wants us to return to... Like civilization or something like that at some point. Right. So yeah, I think oh, Darwin okay. is the best I could get out of her. But okay.
0: All right. yeah, well, you'll be sure to see uh, some water pythons and some uh, some, <sighs> some carpets. You don't want to go back.
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Rough scale python too. Sorry. Yes. 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 So uh,
0: so let's talk about uh, feeding. Right. So mm-hmm. we don't really know. Um, well, we <laughs> do know that they ate these rock rats in um, in the wild. Right. Right. Other than that, we really don't know too much about what they eat. Um, you know, uh, but uh, when they were first brought into captivity, mm. they were all for birds and they didn't have much luck. Um, but it wasn't until they tried this uh, uh, Spinifex hopping mouse. Um, <laughs> and it's this little tiny mouse. looks like a hopper. Um,
1: oh, and, yeah. It's a little kangaroo mouse kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And yep. uh, yeah, they 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 took off after that like you know like crazy. So
1: again, I think they're just they're op- opportunistic feeders, and I think um, I have had my guys eat chicks, and but a lot of times they'll just eat like my female only eats mice, so but she'll eat like three or four of them at a time.
0: So apparently, when they had uh, the captive bred hatch hatch hatchlings, right, mm-hmm. trying to get them going. Um, they, in Australia, they, they used uh, a species of, uh, striped marsh frogs and they would rub the, uh, the rodent with that. And that would seem to get them going. I, Which I'm, Makes sense. Yeah. I, the only bad part about that is the cane toad situation, you know, <laughs> cane toads no, 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 the- no, 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 no,
1: no, no. Okay. No, Yeah. no. No what no no didn't. <laughs> no i don't want no i don't want to deal with this i mean i, I yeah, can't because um, um, cane toad babies like baby toadlets they're venomous from the second they're born right
0: yeah so in 2009 no um, crossed no. to <laughs> into northwestern uh australia from the northern territory um mm. 2017 populations have established themselves in the northern kimberley and we're moving steadily to the west. So <laughs> yeah. So, you know, one of the things like when when Rob and I were talking about the the trip to western australia that we were supposed to go on but didn't um I'm not bitter. Um uh, but anyway, <laughs> when we were supposed to go on that trip. I'm not angry. Yeah. 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 Uh, one of the thoughts w- was, is that, you know, we want to get to Australia tones. before the Cane toads get there, you know? Um, so I don't know. God. In the parts God. that we were going, I don't think they're there yet, but they're up in the Kimberley. And that was sort of the fear, is that if there's only a little, little pockets of these pythons and there's not a huge
1: uh, Jesus, amount left,
0: I mean, we could be looking at them.
1: an extinction event. because so,
0: they're existence
1: right because i mean if 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 the babies eat toadlets yeah when they're small and you kill the babies yeah sorry (laughs) yeah um now i hate them even more now now I now yeah now
0: you understand the
1: now i'm going to stand rob aims for them in the car (laughs)
0: yeah it's it's you know, it's, it's not the, the toads' fault that they're there, obviously, but...
1: Uh, it, it isn't, but mean, it's, it isn't, but...
0: I wonder why... Let me ask this question. I know this yeah. is a tangent a little bit, but I'm going to throw this out there. Sure. Why are people so accepting to let Burmese pythons be killed
1: yeah. without but
0: thinking about it?
1: Because.
0: But people lose their mind about killing cane toads. Well, I don't think Australian people kill them. I don't think the they give a
1: shit. People. Yeah, but I, I would also say, shit. why but do think people... Americans why are people all uh, okay with um, Burmese pythons being killed, but feral cats and other things like that get a free pass?
0: Well, yeah, well, that's because they are fur man
1: <laughs> well, <bite> me <laughs> A feral what? cat can wipe out a species faster than a Burmese python.
0: Well, I, I, I think I heard some stats somewhere. And I don't know if it's true or not, but I would believe it's true because I'm not a fan of cats, but um, you know uh, caps, me cats either in the wild. Um, and, and I would imagine that, uh, I don't know if there's cats in the Kimberley, but I know that there's cats in Australia and it's yeah. a problem as far as invasive species and they're killing off uh, a lot of wildlife and they're sort of, uh, I would imagine that they're sort of taking away, uh, you know, um, uh, what would the, what's the word I'm looking for? They're taking away, like they're becoming, they're like those, uh, marsupials like quoll mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. like that, that, that are, uh, they're easy pickings for hundreds, things like that, you know? You know?
0: so uh they're sort of taking them out of the out of the environment if you will
1: yeah Um, and and any any invasive species into an ecosystem is going to be a fucking problem the only time where it's not going to end up being one is that like with the burmese python in florida we have killed enough things down there that we've created a hole in the in the chain down there that burmese python slid right in there as part of an apex predator role right so and the other good thing is that you still got alligators down there, so yeah. alligators have done their damnedest to keep that shit in control. But you imagine, like imagine if alligators didn't exist, Burmese pythons right. will be running freaking muck, and that's yeah. what that's what cane toads do. Unfortunately, they're an animal that was equipped with a neurotoxin that nothing on the continent of Australia can handle. If there had been, I think there's maybe like maybe one snake that can do it. Um,
0: I. Th- yeah, I think. Yeah, I, yeah I, I was it a keelback? I think. I think so.
1: Yeah. Now yeah. imagine if all the species of snake in Australia could handle cane toad poison, it wouldn't have been an issue at all.
0: No, 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 no. I don't think it would have been as serious as it was. But the no. fact that you know, uh, you know, these a lot this, of, these a are lot things of, that are
1: evolutionarily never evolved around this species, so they're right. not prepared and they're not able to handle it. So a lot now
0: icons and stuff that. Yeah. Would, feed on you know baby skinks and baby frogs and toads and stuff
1: they're gonna jump out a toad it's a slow move a, a toadlet is a smooth slow moving meal that triggers my little brain to bite this thing right and all, it's all it takes right so yeah no I, yeah, I i i i feel for it on all ends but you're killing some of the most unique species on this planet and it is not because the cane toads just decided to show up there it's our own fucking fault and that's what makes me the most more mad about it is that this is a human problem that we did and we have yet to correct it.
0: Yeah. And I don't know how you correct it. You know, I don't know if you can
1: Yeah, at this point, cast out of the bag. I mean, I know, you, had your, you had your chance. I mean, you I can remember exactly they do bounties on the freaking cane codes all the time, but I mean, you can declare open season, which I'm pretty sure they did, but you're never going to get them all now at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I
1: think, I think I think what the government should do is pay a dime for a cane toad. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, go go get them. Hey, you you want to bring me like every put a put I'll a freaking
0: Australia and just hunt cane toads. <laughs> I promise, I will do my best
1: yeah, to get. I do like, like I don't understand like you know in certain governments they'll give you a certain amount like you know what is it a can a, a aluminum can that's five cents how much does a cane toad cost how much do you want to give me for a cane toad I will bring you. Burlap bags filled with cane toad.
0: I think I saw in a show one time that mm. they would trade them, that you could take them to certain bars and you could get beers and
1: stuff. For you candy. can, like, dude. I saw somewhere some uh, uh, some restaurant down there was trying to figure out what you can make from like like frog legs. They were like making cane toad legs, like, and stuff like that, because mm-hmm. they were trying to figure out ways to make it so that it was appealing and maybe do like a hunting season for them and shit like that. And I know they have roundups and stuff like that. Like uh, Florida does it for um, lionfish. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Cause they were, they're running a muck down there too. So if you swim down there and spear the fuckers, they have like little, uh, like yeah, like uh, what they do with the Burmese python where it's like, Oh, this guy got the biggest one. I'm like, don't just make that year round. Like don't, don't stop. Like it's good that you do it at this time. Keep going. So, yeah. 100%. Yeah.
0: Um, so, uh, one one interesting thing with um, roughies uh, mm-hmm. is that uh, they they have not been observed to call a lure, um, hmm. which I don't know if that has to do with the prey. I don't know if
1: – See, I remember there was one I time where I, I, thought I saw one of my guys do it. Oh, yeah? But once, once. And the hell if I know what the hell I was looking at. And it wasn't as pronounced as like a green tree call a lure. Where it's yeah. like waving its tail all around. So yeah. for all I know, the thing needed to poop. Like, it's whatever. But I, that's interesting. I would have loved to, if that was something else that they did also. But maybe they don't have to.
0: Yeah. Could be uh, with their, what their whatever their prey is. Maybe. I would say
1: that their tails would have to be a different color if you kind of did the color, right? Because I think all green, don't all green trees have a different colored tail?
0: They do. But yeah. carpets do it. And mm. they don't have different colored tails, but... Um, Maybe it's a learned they behavior. They don't do it as much as Andros, that Yeah. Chondros seem to do it uh, the most. All the know, time. Like, they yeah. do it all the time. And even as adults, I think they, they do it as well. Yeah. Which is kind of weird because they're sort of in this ambush pose, right? I never understood right. that. Right. They're anchoring with their 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 tail... Right, and they're sort of draping down and hanging down, with hoping that nowhere that, near their they, damn tail. <laughs> you know like, what I mean? So it's yeah. not even like it's attracting anything. I maybe maybe they just use it more when they're when they're hatchies.
1: Right, or maybe they just use it to bring them in, and then um, right. after that, because it's like, what is it with the? It, it, it's like I love watching the spider spider tail viper do the yeah. lure. Cool. Yeah, that is cool, man. Dude, That's if I awesome. had the balls to keep venomous, no, <laughs> Mike, it would just. That would be the one. <laughs> That'd be them. And i just go and i throw birds at it. Like, again, that's another animal where it's like, I want to see it do what it's supposed to do. And it, I bet you they never lure in captivity. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Fruit, food comes yeah. to me. Why do I need to draw it in?
0: tongues. Yeah, what do I What need?
1: the hell? Now, <laughs> I'd be um, there with a bird going, like, come on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lure
1: it in, dude. Like, yeah, no. So, so breeding these guys
0: um yeah, so there's no trying. reports of reproductive activity in the field um so basically everything we're gonna talk about is uh John never
1: found like a female on eggs or anything like that
0: yeah no so nuts um they're gonna talk about his observations um of what he had when he had that first uh, initial group hmm. um, and uh I think when he the one thing that he did note that uh his he observed uh three adult snakes, one female, two males In close proximity, uh, they were separated by about five uh, meters in August of 2002, which would suggest that um, they're a dry season mating period, right? Okay, yeah. Um, So, you know, I I would imagine that why they would be different than other pythons is... So
1: on our end, they're a winter breeder.
0: Right, yeah. Um, So uh, seasonal timing of reproductive activity in the rough scale python um is uh pretty much the same of what you see with uh Pythonidae species from tropical australia Uh, all the species have been studied in detail mating occurs in the coolest time of year so like the mid dry season uh, Mm. with um they lay eggs about two to three months later and hatchings hatchlings are coming out in about another two months um and they they emerge uh from their eggs shortly before the onset of the annual monsoon which would make sense right you know right, yeah the uh, activity that would be going on uh whether it be uh from skinks frogs toads
1: yeah, and you don't want to be in an egg when everything gets wet yeah right so
0: fish who knows maybe they eat fish too <laughs> i dude
1: i bet again if you live in a harsh enough climate you'll eat whatever the fuck comes in whatever you. you can get yeah
0: um, in captivity, court, now again, when I say these, this is this is what happened in Australia. So you would have to sort of like mm-hmm. switch it around to be our winner, right? So uh, courtship and mating were recorded in July and August uh, each year, which sort of again corresponds with their mid dry season. Uh, what would be in the field, right? And then they laid eggs late October, early November, uh, which equates equates to the late dry season or quote unquote the buildup in their mm-hmm. natural habitat. so when we first what well, the first time i went to australia was in the build-up it wasn't no 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 Oh well yeah it was the same time when we sort of went in um darwin right it wasn't dry yeah. dry but it was the it was starting to be the onset of the uh of the wet um so that's uh what they i guess they refer to as the build-up um courtship appeared uh, relatively passive and uh, mating was brief and i think Owen, you probably can comment on this a minute because you were saying it um but um you know uh 81 to 89 days after mating um they laid eggs so yep. you didn't really see yours mate right
1: i did not they were sneaky as all fuck and i thought there was something wrong with the female because i'm like no nope, didn't work And I separated them, and she wouldn't eat. I'm like, dude, what's up with you? Like, you were slamming food before we went down. And now I'm starting to get worried, so I put her in a 32-quart bin. I'm like, maybe she'll be better in there, you know, away from me and all the other stuff. And then she laid eggs. I'm like, I found the problem. Like, it was – and then, like, I think an hour after I pulled the eggs from her, she would – like, she killed, like, four mice. So um, it – they can be pretty sneaky, and uh, the eggs were not – huge they were like the in between of a green tree python and a carpet python i'd say when you have like small slug carpet python eggs it's right in there so it's right around that size right yep so
0: and um so um in australia reptile park they kept the (laughs) males together so i guess that means that there's no combat
1: um, I, well, they kept the male together and then what? Chucked the female in? Or did they separate the, take that male and put them in with a girl?
0: I think they were all together. But they had two males. So they had 2.3. And from what Yeah, I but I
1: think that, that varies on every male because I mean, I've had males that have been totally cool chilling with each other during breeding right. season. And that's how you find out that one of them's a boy um, when they're not supposed to be. But then, because you put it in with another male that it's not okay with. <laughs> like, it's I'd right. say it's an individual animal thing. It's like how people ask me if they can cohab their animals, and even if I do, like somebody asked me, like do you cohab your rhinos, and I'm like, I do, but mine seem to be okay with that. Like you need to check what yours probably, are okay with.
0: So. Probably the size of the cage too, right? If you yeah, also a- true, they
1: yeah. If they can enough space, they you yeah, know, they can, can get, they get away fall. from each other if right. they need to be, yeah. So
0: um, so, yeah, there's no records of them combating, um, you know, but, you know, what's weird with carpets, sometimes ones that we thought didn't combat, then you see combat, then you, then that you did yeah,
1: You yeah. Know, and, and it's not like you're going to mistake combat for other shit, too. No. Like, combat is combat. No. If, um, if you've never seen combat, don't worry. You'll get there. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> yeah, some of the observations, um, I thought it was just good to point this out, just in case mm-hmm. you are reading them and you can sort of look for sort of these signs. Um, okay much of the July the pair um, were seen perching uh, close together sort of what you know was similar to what we see with uh, mm-hmm. in my experience you know they're even if they're laying close to each other that's that's a good sign right mm-hmm. <laughs> no locks were observed but uh, early October the female began to show signs of being gravid uh-huh. okay. so what would that be I would imagine it would just be like you know building on the on her what lower third it's it
1: bigger body. yeah thicker i mean they're they're definitely noticeable when they're thicker well at least this the, my this year round my female is definitely noticeable when oh. she's thicker but then oh. i also have the ultrasound so i'm like yes yes there's things in there right so, you so what
0: you're seeing you're able to sort of scientifically confirm, confirm yeah. uh which is cool that to me is awesome cool. <laughs>
1: um fucking great so, <laughs>
0: so uh so she, so she would descend to the floor, lie in loose coils, and uh, um, she would have the posterior two thirds of her body on her side, or even sometimes upside down. Right. But there's no not
1: twist up like that yet. Yeah. You know,
0: so. Um, and then uh, if she was disturbed, she would uh, quickly uh, right herself. So I'm yeah. just, I, I just was, I thought that was an observation just in case, like, I don't know, sometimes the first time I was breeding, especially if it's a species that I never bred before, and you go in and you're trying to look at it, and then all of a sudden, you bumped the cage or you look at it wrong and then you think you screwed it up, but they would roll well, them
1: up. And that's the other thing is that my guys, my female hides under her cork bark a uh-huh. lot. So then when I go to move the cork bark, she's already shifted a little bit. So fuck if I know she w- might've been basking belly up, but, um, also I'm not down there at the peak of the temperature in her cage. So right. Yeah.
0: So they added a nest box. Um, they put yep. a hole, you know, typical hole in the side, filled it with sphagnum moss, moist sphagnum moss, uh, mm-hmm. about two inches deep. And uh, 24 days after shedding, the female produced 12 eggs, and there were approximately 30 grams each. So did you add a nest box, or did she sort of use the... Did She's you always have those got hides those. I mean,
1: those hide boxes that I have, those are always in there. Yeah. Um, she laid in a okay. five-quart bin That's she laid. when I put her in the 32 yeah but oh, okay because i every single one of my cages has a hide box and has a bin in there appropriate uh-huh. to the size so she just right they just she just laid in the bin so now they have one of those big um five gallon bins that i use for all my other bigger pythons and stuff like that gotcha. it's for the big oh, big okay. guys they get the 10 gallon ones so yep yeah.
0: okay Did she's been in
1: or, uh, it's moss mulch don't punch over up with that like um and also like well, as we get closer to egg season i kind of stop cleaning up in those bins uh-huh. like my female white lip just peeled and shed all inside that bin so there's like yep. her skins everywhere in there and i'm leaving it because i want her to feel
0: her scent her, right i, her I want her to feel
1: comfortable like this is where i'll put the eggs yes right. that's where i want you to put them i right. feel like if i clean it and move it or fuck around too much, that's when she's like, no, into the water bowl. Like, no, it's just no. Right. So uh, same thing is going with the female rough scale. She really loves the front corner underneath her cork bark. And I'm kind of trying to convince her that the bin is good. But <laughs> for the longest time, she wouldn't come out of the hide on the ceiling. So I think this is an improvement. And also, you got to think about that as a different uh, type of behavioral response. So when I moved them into these new cages, she was in the ceiling hide and she only came down when I fed. Like she would only come out during the nighttime or when I fed. Okay. Now she would not go in the ceiling hide.
0: Okay. Oh. Wow.
1: So what does that tell you? Maybe it's right. uncomfortable. Maybe she doesn't like the temperatures in the ceiling hide. Maybe she doesn't want to be up there and have to lay the eggs up there. Like, so yeah, no, we'll see. Mm. Okay. Yep. So, so uh, last year, the babies were due to hatch in June. So we're coming up on when it should be time.
0: Right. So that'd April. be cool. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the incubation that uh, they used uh, was uh, no substrate um, mm-hmm. and they uh, baked it at 87 degrees. Nice. 87.8 to be exact Fahrenheit. And it was 31 Celsius. So that's mm-hmm. where they put it. And they hatched 61 to 62 days later, which I thought was interesting that uh, they were, that's about what, 10 extra days from carpets?
1: I, I usually count it out to 60. 60? Yeah. Oh, even I mean, with carpets? Even with carpets, I count it out to 60, but they usually arrive. Like they'll start hatching the week before or something like that. Gotcha. But I usually put that as the drop dead date because if... If shit hasn't arrived by, or at least started tipping by 60, I'm going to start questioning what's going on um, or freaking out. So either one.
0: Okay. I think the olives went longer too. Yeah, that would make sense because they're actually bigger. But smaller eggs just seemed odd to me that they would But bigger
1: eggs just make bigger babies, dude. Yeah. Like, and I I love how I'm like, I'm ready for olive eggs. And then they laid them. And I'm like, I don't have a bin big enough. (laughs) Like
0: i eat two bins i'm like oh <laughs> shit like <yeah.
1: laughs> i did not think this no, they through. didn't even fit the bins like <laughs> the problem is that we had the substrate and like the light diffuser the eggs right. wouldn't fit in there they're they're oh, they were too big oh, so God. like they were touching the ceiling and i'm like that's not gonna do so i had to find a like a tote. yeah <clears throat> wow i'm never prepared what the fuck <laughs> is wrong with me
0: that's how you do it right um Captive care. So this would be uh, what we're going to talk about would be the Australian Reptile Park's initial setups from those wild-caught animals, what they did, what they observed, all that kind of stuff. So you can sort of, you know, uh, hopefully sort of with the information that we already talked about, you can sort of take this information and kind of put it together and come up with your own sort of – way that you would approach it so they were individually housed in uh, an enclosure that measured about five foot by three foot by four foot high so they gave them mm-hmm. a lot of height, right and, um, right good to know uh, they used horizontal per- position branching uh branches to allow the climbing behavior obviously there was a gradient that was used along the length of the branches as well as the floor to the ceiling um so i guess that they would utilize maybe shelves and stuff like that like we were right okay. Uh, lowest side of temperatures were 75 to 78 Fahrenheit, 24 to 26 Celsius. Uh, the warmest uh, temperatures that they used, I think this was a little high, but I'm curious. Yeah, a little high. On, yeah. uh, 34 to 36 Celsius, uh, 93 to 96 Fahrenheit during the daylight hours. Now, I mean, where they're coming from, it's hot,
1: right? It's hot as shit, yeah. But, um,
0: could that just be the hot spot of what they were doing? You well, know, they, if you're going to set up a
1: gradient birds. and you just let yeah. them get, yeah they'll take care of themselves. It's like, I don't think I could do that in a tub with these guys or even certain cages. But you know, if I had a big giant cage with a lamp or a gradient, yeah, I'd probably do that.
0: Right. And I think the other thing to note is, is like (sighs) the way they kept them is that they sort of would let the temperatures be the temperatures at night. So you're talking about a big dip at night, right? Yeah. they, were, they put hides in the setup uh, in a warm and a cool spot. Um, mm-hmm. During the night, temperatures were influenced by the outside temperature. So whatever was going on on the outside um, of the Australian Reptile Park is sort of what was
1: going kind on. Kind of what was going on, yeah.
0: So the coldest months, the temps uh, were as low as 60 in the early morning. sixteen uh, So 60 Fahrenheit, 16 Celsius. Um, during the warmest months, the temperatures often remained as high as 26 Celsius, 78 Fahrenheit. Um, and, uh, during the daylight hours, um, the snakes were observed, uh, they were on the horizontal branches. Uh, they seemed to pick a spot that allowed the maintenance of the body temperature to sort of be in that Python, uh, Goldilocks zone, 86 to 88, uh, mm. Fahrenheit or 30 to 31, um, yeah, it's hide boxes, so they observed that they didn't really use the hide boxes except when they would go into a shed cycle. I don't know. Have you seen anything like that?
1: Well, my guys kind of use, they use the hides. I mean, they like the one on the ceiling, right. but that's probably the warmest hide. Um, so
0: my thought they, would be this, is like if you have a more basic setup, I would imagine mm-hmm. that they would probably utilize those hides, but if you're giving them like these rocky outcrops... And
1: branches and all that oh. kind of fun oh. shit, yeah. Right.
0: They'll probably utilize that as uh, as cover and not be as stress. That would be uh, would be my thought. But yeah. Um, so they the principal time that the activity period uh, was early evening. So once the lights went off mm-hmm. in the enclosure in the room, um, it was on carried on for about a few hours and this include you know moving within the enclosure defecation drinking mm. and most commonly seen getting into that ambush position now have you ever seen you said you've seen yours in ambush position well
1: for my female when she comes down like if i'm feeding and if she's up in the ceiling high that's all she doesn't come out she just dips down enough of her body to sit in the ambush position and she's all set and ready to roll it's like how also um my male was hanging out on his rock ledge earlier today when I was downstairs, and he was hanging off an ambush position. Um, but I see at nighttime he's getting all feisty because I think he wants to go back in with the girl. So they did separate them for a little bit, so I'm probably gonna pair them back up because um, he's unsettled and she's like, "Oh, this is nice." So clearly, one of them wants something else. <laughs> like it's a <laughs> somebody's triggered and somebody else doesn't care. So
0: okay, yeah. Um, so setting up babies. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, I thought this was kind of interesting information just for people to know, but, um, their first shed is usually seven to 10 days. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, John Wagle points out that hatch hatchies begin to increase their nocturnal activity around two to three weeks after hatching. And he makes That's a point so that cool. he doesn't offer food mm-hmm. until he sees this activity. So. I thought, wow, that's pretty cool that, uh, and that's interestingly enough, that's sort of how I approach carpets, right? I wait till they shed. I give them about two weeks after that, you know, and then I sort of start to feed, you know, um, yeah. Unless, unless they're kind of in bad shape, I've seen carpets where it's like you kind of want to try to get them going (laughs) as soon as possible. Please God
1: eat more. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, so Let's see. So this is. Be, I thought this was interesting as far as um, trying to get them to go because I've heard them can can be somewhat tricky um, as babies to get going. But this <clears throat> is sort of what he used and what he had success with. So at the peak of nighttime activity, several hours after sunset, he would say around eleven o'clock, he would use long forceps and place a washed day old pup, rat pup, on the floor of the enclosure. He would first try to elicit a strike from the babies by waving the prey in front of them. Um, and then if he didn't get anything, he would, you know, put them in the enclosure. He would check in the morning and generally about a third of them would have taken the meal, right? The next night right. he would offer a different prey, uh, item to the snake, uh, that the, the snakes that didn't eat. He would try day old quail, uh, or thawed rat pup, uh, that had been scented with, he used ground duckling, uh, or the skin of that, uh, marsh frog, right?
1: So um, ground duckling, how does one grind a duckling?
0: I don't know. So my thought was, is that, is it like ground beef <laughs> that's like duck?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess. I, or are you putting a poor I, defenseless duckling in a blender? Like it is. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, how, how, how devilishly gruesome do we have to get here?
0: <laughs> yeah. And I don't know why it would be duck, but for what, you know, I don't know. Sometimes snakes are weird, man. You know, I, I can't remember what it is, but uh gray bands, there's something that they just like. Toad. Oh, it's not toad. It's, toad. it's something no. different that you, they would never eat. And it's like
1: tuna it's, fish or something stupid. Yeah.
0: Something weird. Yeah. So
1: I got a carpet eating goldfish. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Nothing is off. Uh, Nothing is off limits. Yeah. yeah. So uh, generally when he was offering that, uh, the, the quail or, uh, the, the marsh frog, uh, scented, uh, rat pups, um, he would get about uh, half of that second group to feed. He would not offer any prey for two weeks uh, to both feeders and non-feeders alike. He would start the process all over again. He would try to feed all the babies the unscented day-old rat pup, and for mm-hmm. those that refused, he would offer what he offered them um, the last time that they accepted two weeks earlier. So, if it was the quail, he would feed them the quail. If it was, you know, those the striped marsh frog scented. Rat pup, he would he would do that, and then, okay. um, so when he says rat, pup, I guess I don't know what a day old rat pup looks like because when when I think of
1: rat pups, I think of those. They're big, they're, they're pretty pretty big. They're pretty I mean, big, man. You know. Also, I, like our, the problem is that we're talking European yes. line rat pup, like you know, right. I mean, so, a, day old, a day old rat pup's got to be the size of like uh, at least a fuzzy, right?
0: Okay, I would think so.
1: I would Good
0: think thing. so too. Yeah. So, if you're going to use a mouse, maybe you go with a fuzzy
1: and uh, see. Like baby bread can. life, like start them big.
0: So my setup is, um, I, I, you know, I have them in tub a uh, tub right now, and mm-hmm. um, basically what I have is I have that, uh, I have the uh, 3D perching uh, mm-hmm. set up, um, and what I did is I took egg crate. And I sort of like made it so that it's got like little crevices that they can Mm. put two of them together. So it's sort of like, and I put it on the hotspot end. Right. So, and I put three, it's stacked like three high Mm. and it can kind of get in there if it wants to get on the underneath all the way on the bottom. Um, It can do that. um, Try to give them some security or whatever. And I kind of have it like diamond shape. So it's kind of like crisscrossed, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Nice. Yeah. So uh, and that seems to work pretty good. Um, I think it gives them a little bit of security and they can sort of, you know, thermoregulate within that, um, hide area. And, uh, every time I look there, it's always on the perching. So, of course. Yeah.
1: I I think, uh, I need, I need more, but I don't want to buy more. I'm know.
0: i sitting there going like, man, these are so cool.
1: God, I need more of them. And (laughs) then like, and then I told her about, I'm like, I mean more of them. And like, you know, I know people who have them and Melissa's like, just read yours and keep the babies. I'm like, well, you make a valid point. Like, right. So,
0: <laughs>
1: right. Damn
0: you. And you're coming. So. Damn it.
1: But I want them now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, so they can make like, you could, you could really deck out their cages. Right. I mean, mm. like, really go hog wild and give you a little piece of the Kimberly right there in your house. Um, I would recommend checking out uh Beachy Scaly Beast. Uh he was yep. on the show a while back. He did he has two videos, one where he sort of talks about meet his rough scale python, you know. Um, but the one that's really cool, so you can see what the cage looks like completely done, and sort of goes mm-hmm. through it and shows you what they do and how they utilize the cage. But he also has one, it's called How to Build an Epic Reptile Ledge Um Rough Scale Python Enclosure, right? So mm-hmm you see you see that can you see that or is it just uh hold
1: on uh, i cannot
0: you can't all's you no wonder you're, i'm not getting the uh so what i'm gonna do real quick mm. um, for you is i'm mm. gonna take a picture of my evernote thing and send it to you well, i'm
1: going through the evernote but i like i yeah i mean i could click on these things but then it's going to start playing a youtube video no 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 yeah, yeah.
0: Um, shit.
1: I do like that one picture of it hanging off the rock. Um, the Malcolm Douglas Kimberly Adventure, part one, 1997.
0: <laughs> yeah, got it. Beautiful. Mm. Yeah, okay. Let's see. All right, let me try this one more time. Um, okay, so. We also have Peter Birch um, yep, that did gorgeous, a really cool.
1: Um... I'm telling you, man! I, if I get if I can get my snake building, I'm going to have cages like Cody. <laughs> and I'm just going to have windows, skylights, and everything. I'm going to be able to track the moon and <laughs> see how it goes with all my snakes. Yep. So. Gorgeous.
0: You can see what I'm talking about. Yeah. So if you, you I, I kind of like, I do like Peter Birch's, but I think that um, Luke's kind of looks a little more um,
1: up your alley. Yeah,
0: I like that. Like just how the branches are sort of like, yeah, all over the place. It looks like you know he's got so some you, thin you should, ones. You should yeah.
1: honestly, God, just have like when we go and take pictures and just have somebody recreate the rocks that you're looking at or in your pictures yeah. and just print the. Pictures that you took as like a background thing, and then have the rocks coming out of it. I think it'd be great. You oh, imagine doing that with like and like having the pictures you took being the background image, and then having somebody build off of that and make you like inserts and stuff. That'd be great. Oh, that would <laughs> be, be dying. Awesome. <laughs> That'd be fucking, that's a dream.
0: I see. Uh, so the, you were talking about so there's some there's a couple wild pics of um, rough scale pythons in the wild. Yeah. Um, and the one that uh, Matt Somerville took uh, was in the uh, Mitchell River region. Mm-hmm. And in that picture, to me, that's another way that, like, that's the perfect uh, idea of, like, trying to set up.
1: Can you yes. imagine
0: having that That, yes. that as a cage? Yes. You yes. know what I mean? It's got the yes. tree coming down, well, little yeah. rock ledges, you
1: know. Yeah. It
0: would be pretty badass. Be so, so happy.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: So, yeah, I mean – um yeah that's rough scale pythons uh there's not a ton of information about them but um you know um yeah i don't know um <laughs> i'm glad i have
1: them <laughs> i just it's like uh you know it's um it's just something i really want to see so uh and it's just they, they've, they've been on my list for forever and i i want to take them to the next step of producing my own and thank God you got a pair, so I don't have to give any of them away. They'll just be mine.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> I might slowly grow my army of rough scale python. Yeah, and you know it's definitely one of those things now too, where it's like we know the cane toads are a threat. We know the fires out there are a threat, and it's like to think about that this species one day could be one of those animals that has to be reintroduced. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it, you know it, it's when you have a Species like that—that's so uh, such a niche species. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, at, w- at one point, scimitar horned oryx. So I think we're down to like one herd in Arizona, uh-huh. and that was it. And through captive breeding popula captive breeding projects by the Aza and other places like that, they were able to get to the point where they're reintroducing the species back to where they were originally from. And that's a man-made issue. We did that to the scimitar horned oryx, and we fixed it. Right. And I would like it if people kind of gave a little bit more of a damn about how the cane toes are something that we did to all these species in Australia, and it'd be nice if we fixed it. So I yeah. don't know how they would do go about doing that, but I think it would be a really sh- a real shame to lose something as awesome as a rough-scale python because we wanted to make sure that the sugar cane fields didn't have all the bugs in it. Yeah. You know, the native bugs, right. where you were, like, growing the sugar cane, Dickheads.
0: <laughs> yeah. <sighs> uh, you don't
1: you deserve this poorly. planet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so,
1: yeah, no, dude, I, you know me, I'm going to be, there are two moments, there, actually, there are, there are three species that if I ever do produce them, or when I do produce them, I'm going to be over the moon. Uh It's going to be Timor's, Rough Scales, Lips, which is why last year was such a kick in the balls.
0: <laughs> like you. Yes. yeah for sure yeah, yeah. i can imagine the, seeing those little heads pop out god. will be oh my uh, god it be gorgeous be badass so I, i'm right there with you man hopefully one day i get to produce them as uh, well.
1: at this point you're going to produce them before i do you know uh, maybe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i doubt me. it but maybe I'm gonna be mad me mad I'm if that is.
1: happens dude i'm just saying
0: yeah.
1: oh and so, if you ever do but, lose your mind and decide you need to get rid of the rough scales you call no one else no. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: well yeah 100 percent. but uh, you. i don't see myself
1: uh, thank you i stuff. hope not Jesus. i don't know you're like i don't know i like kimberly rock monitors and i'm like smack like no shut I up i do you stay with morelia you <laughs> i stay do stay with the.
0: yeah i gotta tell you i was telling you the other I day don't man don't the little like akis, the yeah. akis man are bad ass oh man they're so cool i love them they're uh i didn't know how i would react to a monitor yeah, and I haven't had one since 2000 and um back then it was a savannah monitor so it was typical you know Just monitor savannah yeah yeah um but uh you know I got these little guys where i i i feed them eggs uh chopped up scrambled eggs from uh from tongs so I like tap on the rock yeah and they come running out and then I like feed them and they like you know they're like <laughs> they're, no, they're,
1: so cool, they're tiny little killers. Yeah. Uh, uh, an ackee is somebody took a Nile monitor and shrunk it. Yeah, <laughs> so
0: it's like it like a miniature version of a, of a monitor. Yeah. I don't know why uh bearded dragons are popular when you can have an Aki.
1: And also, it's just one of those things. And if you set them up right, I heard they're like egg laying machines and they're fantastic animals to observe. It's just, don't, oh, they, don't like, don't, they don't like don't don't they touching. Like, that's the problem is that a bearded dragon, you can put oh, wings yeah. on it and the hat. Yeah, so, of true. course, it's the popular <laughs> one. Yeah. When it's the yeah. one that actually, I, I, no, see, now I'm getting mad. So it's like, why are both you so popular? Because they can wear mustaches and put a <laughs> pi- Yeah. And you can sure. dress it up and it sits there. Carpet pythons are mean and they don't let me do that. They bite me. You mean it acts like a snake? <laughs> like it's, right. You I mean it acts like a python that's like, get away from my face. I wanted it
0: to have a mustache, a top Right, hat. exactly.
1: So yeah, I mean, you know, when you put dragon wings on your ackies is when I come over and take them from you. It's yeah. like
0: it, I th- I would hope that you would.
1: <laughs> oh, and I <laughs> you, need help. I know, right. Eric. I'm here. <laughs> <It's>
0: like, <laughs> Dory's like, why is he taking your monitors? I I, I don't deserve speak. them. <laughs> I'm sorry, honey. I,
1: I, just I put Powell, wings on them. What? I just, <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> Oh, and take these the away from all him. Right.
0: I'm so but... embarrassed of my husband <laughs> how he could do such a thing. I
1: just like how you went to like the Roxy version of monitors. you got a small, <laughs> pissed-off little animal. <laughs> hey, man. I need
0: miniature versions man, of all things. That's it. You,
1: everything must be miniaturized. Yes. Smallest <laughs> carpet species. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> it has to be small and angry. I'm beginning to see where your niche is here. It's yeah. Like... <laughs> You have your little the large pissed off thing. You it has to be small and angry. <laughs> like,
0: Got to be able to control it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, they're badass. So, yeah, and then I was, you know, obviously you start to go down the rabbit hole and you start mm-hmm. to look at other other monitors and Kimberly's. Kimberly's are gorgeous.
1: Kimberly's, are gorgeous. Kimberly's are gorgeous. they're cool. Yeah,
0: and they stay small too. Well, small, yeah. you know. So
1: that be, be that's it. If it's cool to observe and cool to watch and do whatever, dude, like that's that's awesome. And again, we've talked about this how we're both kind of like getting back into that whole like, yeah, plugging in and just enjoying the animals yeah. and stuff like that. It's like it, having a cool Kimberly Rock monitor set up. Like that'd be badass. Even yeah. if you only had one in there, who cares? That's yeah, I don't. Cool. I don't even
0: really care about breeding. Right, as, much as just having one,
1: you know. Like dude, I, see I myself. I enjoy that stuff. And, like, setting up the rhinos, like, I have had more people interested in seeing what's going on with the rhinos in that tank in the living room than, like, they want to go downstairs and see the snakes in the bin. This is cool. And also, it's disarming. And, like, people who would never, ever want to go down to the snake room ever are taking pictures of the rhinos because one of them is out and moving around. So you
0: did an awesome job with that setup. That's really cool.
1: I just, dude, like, I just... That's why I keep looking at stuff like Cody's and I'm like, it again, like, (laughs) yeah, dude, like, you know, and, and more power to him for like hand painting rocks and shit like that. And it's like, can you imagine again, taking one of the pictures that you or Rob or somebody takes when we're out there and using that as a backdrop to build off of, to make a naturalistic enclosure. Basically, you're just building yourself a reptile zoo in your house. Yeah. That's what I want. That's what I want.
0: Yeah, I see, yep. uh, you know, I, the, I, I this, is, uh, this is sort of crazy, but mm-hmm. uh, you know I have the middle room upstairs, that small yeah. room. No, um,
1: that's, you don't need that room. So that room.
0: I was sitting there, and I'm telling Dory, I was like, um, what do you think about me making this a lizard room? <laughs> She's like, what? And I was like, well, I'm just thinking, like, I could keep all the lizards up here and just, like, yeah. have, like some nice naturalistic setups, some nice people. lizards yeah yeah put a nice desk in there and you, you know you like lizards
1: right dory <laughs> yeah so well, is wants- you, aren't you also still turning the room right outside that like you're right now you're in the diamond room yeah you said you have the snake room over there are you doing anything with that middle room that's in between there and your outside
0: well that's another spot that's
1: uh, <laughs> sort of
0: slowly taking over man you know i, I see what you're
1: the whole I house has been a... out
0: there is how cold it gets during the winter.
1: Collybrids. I mean, if you want to get just one big ass indigo and just have a chill.
0: I thought about that, you know, we mm-hmm. talked about that the last mm-hmm. time we were here. I was like, what do you think about a nice big indigo?
1: You know, that? I'm all for indigo and everything that do it stands for. It. <laughs> Stop go. talking and do it. Do it. I mean, go on. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens, but, um, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm digging them. I'm digging those monitors, but, uh, yeah, that's it for rough scales and rough scale show. And, uh, yeah, obviously we're going to be doing more of these. I quite enjoyed doing the research and kind of putting it all together. And, um, hopefully
1: it's going to do well for your book. (laughs) It'll do well for the book when you finally write that thing. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Just collecting all this data. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, if you, if you're on the fence with Ruffies, or if you're, I, I would say that if you're maybe into some kind of, uh, arboreal type of, uh, of, of, of snake that you're looking for, you know, give Ruffies a chance. I think, uh, I also think right environment you can really set something up cool. And,
1: uh, mm-hmm. I mean, also I think if you're in Morelia, cause I mean, we talked about this the last time when people kind of get into Morelia, you kind of, you decide whether you're going to do coastals or IJs, and then you kind of further decide if you're going to do inlands or bread lie, and then you kind of further down, and then you always have the dream of rough scales or imbricata or something like that. And right. uh, so it's one of those things where if you do have morelia and you have experimented with, you know, say jungles, and maybe you have even some scrub species, I think you would very much enjoy a rough scale python. Yeah. And yeah, they're we'll- definitely something good to behold. So if you haven't seen them in person, Ask, and you know somebody in your area who does have one, ask if you can come over offer to clean cages. You know, I, it's, that, that's how you win entry into my room. So <laughs>
0: it's... This is true. <laughs> yeah,
1: it is. Uh, so but the only uh, reason I let Chris to in my room. You know? the, uh, clean- the only reason I let him in my house, so I was going to leave him outside with Bigfoot bullshit and uh, <laughs> just be like, I hope he keeps you warm but then he's like, I'll oh, clean cages. I'm like...
0: Did you, did you watch that clip? No, I
1: didn't watch that clip.
0: <laughs> Notice I didn't tag you in it.
1: I was enjoying all that shit. I read that entire article about thylacine because I'm like, this makes sense. I enjoy this. Okay, right. this is a creature we know for a fucking fact existed. Right. Could there be some out there? That's kind of cool to think about. But then it immediately changes to, but then they found DNA evidence of a monkey tooth. It's like, God damn it. <laughs> Like I was I so on board, and then you, watch, and watch. watch no, that. Just, no. Do just please, watch no, no, just watch that, just watch that, it. I refuse.
0: I know you refuse, but just, just, just
1: stupid. watch it. Yes. Monkey is stupid. Monkey doesn't exist. This. If you watch that video and yeah. give me your
0: honest feedback after you watch that video, okay. if I produce a hypo, you can have first pick of the hypos.
1: That was already going to happen. <laughs> first pick. Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> it's Damn only it. five minutes. Damn it! You choose. <laughs> I'm not admitting to ever watching this anybody to anybody else. For you, put it on him. Okay, No, 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 that is no, no, no. This will took- be a forever mystery of whether Owen actually watched the video. Yes, exactly. Okay. for our All Patreon members, right. uh, second tier the Patreon <laughs> can, I'll write up a whole thing, and if you subscribe to the Patreon, you can read what I thought about this five uh, seconds, stupid monkey video.
0: That, that, that's
1: not a bad uh, idea. Can we get uh, Lucas? Can we film my response to this video as I watch it? Uh, well, my rage. To
0: speaking of Patreon members, I want to say a big thank you to all the people that have, uh, signed up, uh, for Patreon. Uh, we really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. We're going to, we're thinking about more content, more stuff for you guys and peers. Um, once we get that going, we'll get everything going for you guys and uh yeah uh, show that up. Also uh obviously there's some stuff out on the Teespring store and uh we'll throw that out for you guys too. So
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So cool. um uh yeah, uh what else do we got? So let's go down the list and uh let's wrap this up. So we have first and foremost our website, right? MariaPonradio dot um, it's, uh, the, the catch all for us, everything you want to see and, uh, know, uh, about, you know, us and Morelia and all that kind of stuff is all there. It's a work in progress. We're slowly, um, you know, adding new podcasts as they come up uh, mm-hmm. for the network and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, you can, uh, get links to our eSpring store, which is now it's NPR network. Nice. network. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking for NPR, that's why you can't find it. Um, let's see what else uh, our email is info at com. Mm-hmm. if you want to uh, you know uh, if you want to support the podcast the best thing you can do is just subscribe on whatever podcast app you uh, like share it around share it around to people if you like the episode whatever share it around um, we have we probably have the problem well the next podcast that probably will be coming out um will be um, the field herping podcast with yes. me and Nick. Yes. Um, so that will probably be the next one that uh Can't we'll...
1: wait for you to pronounce things in front of him or with him or with him within striking distance. No, no. Eric. Yeah. no Eric. Eric, that's not what I
0: do you have your tea ready?
1: <laughs> um, how do we no, make a coffee. proper oh, cup Eric. of tea? No, I have a black coffee. Black oh, like Eric. my soul <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: Um, so we got the Teespring store, we got the website, the email. Uh, you can support us on Patreon if you want. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and you can go over there, uh, Maria Python Radio Network, and what else? Um, so just for people, if there's going to be maybe next week or the week after, we are I'm I'm going to take. I finally got the confidence to move NPR from Blog Talk. Mm-hmm. To Transistor, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been working on this for a long time. Oh so why? you haven't when heard from this me... decision happen? <laughs> well, I, we're, we're cutting ties with BlockUp. If you haven't heard from me, send me messages and I haven't gotten back to you. This is why this takes a lot of time uh, and a lot of work to move all 10 years of NPR. Geez, from
1: you've moving the entire archive?
0: Yeah, yeah. God damn, dude. So I don't think it's under the same RSS feed. So I don't think there will only be any disruptions. But if for some reason, all of a sudden it happens that way. Don't panic. We did not disappear. We we're not changing anything. Um,
1: we're just, uh, we're just. Open your MPR emergency kit. Yes. It consists of a video of me screaming at you to calm the fuck down. Yeah. And that's all. And that's it. That's all. Really pretty. That's, I mean, it, that's. really all that's in it.
0: It has a whistle in there. It has a whistle
1: in there. Blow the whistle. Does it make you feel better? Good job. Yes. I'm like yeah.
0: Then the whistle worked.
1: Yeah. Um, then then it, is it helping?
0: <laughs> uh, so uh, let's give a rundown of the uh, podcast that we got going on. We have uh, obviously the OG Moran Python Radio. Yeah. Um, and uh, I should say that next week. We will be talking to Justin Jewlander, and we are talking about his new book, uh, The yeah, Complete, complete knob knob
1: tail. tail. Yeah, so geckos. Guys, <laughs> my
0: favorite little Greco little geckos with uh, little bumps on the back of their tails, <laughs> little knobs. Like, boik. oh god, those you can put top hats on.
1: <laughs> you, no, now no, I don't want to do it. Now I don't want to do it. Yeah, no,
0: <laughs> no, they are definitely not. They're too bad. I was right? actually,
1: I was actually telling Melissa about the gecko we found in Australia. And she's like, I'm like, we found it by accident. She goes, You guys just found it? I'm like, No, no, no. Rob and I were making fun of Eric because he had <laughs> us pull over for a stick that he thought was a blackhead, and we were thinking of very horrible things to say to him. Too and he thing. found a gecko. So it was like, yeah, I found he, a strip he, he pulled he pulled himself out of the fire. He was gonna get it. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah,
0: so. oh, I love that little gecko, man. I was Save so happy ass. when we found that because that's the one gecko. You know, when I'm flipping through all my Australia, yeah, that books is such all, a cool I was gecko like, go. oh my God, I love this gecko. Yeah. Um, but uh, very cool. Yeah. I could see myself adding those. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Those are nice geckos.
0: Oh, by the way, uh, my dad, he added mm-hmm. poison dart frogs. <laughs> he had this naturalistic setup. I went over there the other day.
1: Who the hell are these?
0: <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. what is this? I was like, you got poison dart frogs? <laughs> like
1: What, what, time, what kind what did he get?
0: You got the blue ones. I don't know what
1: that uh, is. Oh, okay. Yeah. I forget which ones those are. Well, I always like Luca's Mellows, the uh, uh, yellow and black one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. has uh, the blue ones. It's, it's, I'm telling you, man, his freaking I, I Next time I'm there, I'll take a picture. Say, yeah, dude. Yeah. His naturalistic setup blows my mind.
1: Well, apparently Oaks is this weekend. So, you know, I might not oh, see you there, there, but what? He's going. No, sh- i was going to say, I'm going to see you there, but I'm waiting for your dad to walk around He's going to be there. Yeah. God damn. He All right.
0: me, he's like, hey, son. Now, this is so weird, right? He's mm-hmm. like, hey, son, there's a reptile show this Saturday. Think you can get off work and head up? And I was like, well, thanks for telling me, uh, you know, three days before the show. <laughs> <laughs> <You know. laughs> uh, no, I have to work. No, I have to work. He's like, oh, that sucks. Me and your sister are going to... Uh... <sighs> to to there to uh i don't know what they're i don't even know if they're getting he's like i don't know if i'm getting anything or anything
1: i just oh yeah that's that's dangerous talk yeah i'm I'm really just going to browse yeah you're going down a slippery slope Mm -hmm. my man this is how it starts Yep. oh if if i see him there i'm gonna point him in some certain directions you know what's good is this anaconda
0: (laughs) (laughs) so so far he has he has two pairs, 2.2 of mm. the emerald green skinks, right? He has them <laughs> set up separate, like two okay. and two. Right. And a uh, pair in each cage. Um, mm-hmm. Then he has a crested gecko, which he says every time I talk to him, he's like, I don't really like the crested gecko. Nobody likes what the crested gecko. I, do? I was yeah, like, Yeah, nobody can. Yeah. Really. Been
1: there done that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're kind of an old thing. Yeah. Um, and he's like, But you know what I really like? I really dig this leopard gecko. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, that's again, you're in Crested Gecko too. I
1: mean, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah.
0: I said, what about uh Lichianus? You ever yeah, hear yeah. that? What's that? And I show him, he's like, Oh, I need
1: one of those. <laughs> oh shit. All right. And then who he has, doesn't, who doesn't want a gecko the size of Roxy, you know? Yeah. yeah I know, right?
0: <laughs> poison dart frogs. Um, nice. he really wants some Mackies. And, um, I, you know, I told him, I said, well, maybe, uh,
1: well, if you're uh, laying eggs, dude,
0: I'll breed them or whatever, and I'll send you yeah. some or something. So, so there's that. And now he's got the poison dart frogs, and he's cool. got the cow king. That's bulletproof. Uh, that that we, king. Bought, <laughs> we bought in the NR on our ABC show in Philadelphia, which so that tells time.
1: you how old that thing is. <laughs>
0: two thousand two, <laughs> maybe. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So
0: <clears throat> twenty years old, Damn. still rock <laughs> solid uh yeah so anyway we got off on a tangent anyway we did yeah that happened
1: so uh the shows
0: (laughs) is the other one global corner yep uh we have um uh, student of the serpent Mm -hmm. um we have carpets and coffee Mm -hmm. which is also on youtube we do a streaming every monday at uh it's one o'clock eastern time ten o'clock uh Pacific yeah. time
1: when when Owen's working. When Owen's yeah. working,
0: yeah, poor Owen. <laughs> One day he will be out uh, And I still yeah, well, yeah. work
1: on those days. Yeah, day. No, I can take it. No, it's fine. If, if you're my boss, I'll do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> <laughs> you and I both know that's yeah, fair no. deal. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's going to have to be, <laughs> yeah, <it's> have <laughs> to be. be. otherwise. It, we have awesome. a lot of friction if it's the other way around. <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> How dare you, sir? The yeah. <laughs>
0: Podcast will be next. Cool. And uh, I think Justin Drewlander uh, mm-hmm. is pretty close to doing his um, podcast to get up and running. So that will be sweet.
1: Cool. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. Uh, we have Lucas's um, Lucas, uh, yep. uh, Humans of, Herb- Humans of Herbiculture. Herbiculture, So
0: You should check out his video he did on Inland Carpets. Pretty yes. Cool. Uh, yeah. Just put um, it up.
1: The Empire Grows. Yes.
0: Uh, so uh, so there's that, and then um, we have a couple things that me and Owen added to uh, NPR. One, we got yep. her pastry, and the next episode, we uh, which I got to get in touch with them, yep. is going to be Richard Ross, uh, which awesome. be the author awesome. of Blue Bible. Holy shit, man! you ever think yeah. you'd be talking to that guy?
1: No, no, and I don't like. There's certain like there's certain moments in time where I don't want to
0: <laughs>
1: like. What are you going like, to do when uh, Marco
0: Shea is sitting right there? I don't want
1: to do that. No, I don't want to do that. Like, dude, like we talked, we just talked about this episode, which I, I all the people that have had Marco Shea on, it's like, they're like, oh, and you found the rough scales. He's like, yeah, that was cool. I'm like, no, talk <laughs> about it. More. We need more. <laughs> tell me more. <laughs>
0: How big was the fire you had on the beach? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Your... Like
1: every, tell I me every, every inch of this snake. Like, you know, it. come on.
0: Did it bite you? Did it threat the display? What did it
1: See, do? I mean, that's the other thing we didn't talk about. Like one of the things that really drew me rough scale pythons was watching that one video of Brian Barczyk handling the one that was just lighting him up now. And it's like in the sheer joy that's on Barczyk's face of this thing <laughs> mauling him. And he's just so happy because he's holding it. And I'm like, I, I connect with this on a deep yeah. nice level. It's like, I understand, Brian yes <laughs> like it, I, I, yes yes i totally let this thing just slaughter me yeah so that's great yeah.
0: so uh so yeah um yeah i think i named them all um,
1: it. We, we have to really make a list we're bold yeah, and wrong yeah
0: uh talked about the teespring store we talked yep. about uh, the patreon we talked yep. about uh the youtube channel npr network uh yep. check that out and then um I think that's everything. Uh, cool. EB Morelia, you can follow me all over the place. And uh, EBMorelia.com. <laughs> and uh, Eric at EBMorelia.com is my email.
1: That's cool. All for, for me, it's rogue reptiles.com. And it's also rogue underscore reptiles on Instagram. Also on Facebook.com, it's rogue reptiles. Uh, e- that's about it. So we'll say thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python radio. Good night.